Look here with your eyes. It's totally time for a new dub talk to come around. But before we start, yeah, we just want to warn you about some things that will happen. As you know about us, we're really crazy. You've sat through like what? 120 episodes. So we just want to remind you. Strong language is around, and some really lewd stuff may go down. And if you sat through all of this shit, you will probably know that we're about to spoil the first six episodes of Legends of Galactic Heroes. Die new thesis, so ho ho ho, spoiler warning around. And for the last part, we just want to say that all of the opinions will totally only reflect the participants of this episode and do not reflect dub talk as a whole. So if you want to get ready, if you're really ready, nothing's gonna stop us now. We know that Hiroyuki Suwano totally ripped off this beat, and I'm tone deaf, so I'm really sorry that you're putting up with my singing. Here we go, oh shit, that's a space laser. So, Dad, how'd you like the song I learned at my Free Planets Alliance school meeting? Look, I know you're not my real dad, but you totally adopted me and I'm going to join the army. Dad, where are you going? I don't want to take care of the house by myself. Look, not all of us can be Julian. Seriously? And welcome to Dub Talk, where a bunch of nautical German space people get together and talk about the latest anime dubs. I am your host for tonight, Lack the Watcher, and with me today is Megan. Hey guys, well I know my cruise to Space Alaska didn't work out and I ended up getting put on a one year journey to a planet with one lady on it, so hopefully my trip to the Space Caribbean- God damn it, this is another space opera, isn't it? Yep. We've also got Amandul. Now you may ask yourself, why is this OP ripping off a song from the Mannequin soundtrack? And the answer is, no one knows. Life's just like that. And we, and finally, we've got Divine Nega. Death to the Empire. Okay, wait, what space opera? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of right. <laughs> but, uh, yes, so if you haven't guessed by now, tonight we are talking about... We are talking about Legend of Galactic Heroes... Uh, De Nue Teeth. Ah, I butchered it. De Nue Teeth. German word, German word, German word. De Nue Teeth, eh? That's uh, as best as I'm going to get it. Yeah, that's, uh, you, should be, you should be happy we're not doing the original Lord of the Galactic Heroes. They actually had, like, the entire title card in German. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, tonight we'll be talking about the reboot and TV anime for the first time of the beloved space opera series, Legend of Galactic Heroes. And, uh, yeah, I guess, um, sh- we should just get started, huh? 
Yeah, we're gonna be here for a little bit. There's a lot of people in this show. Well, that's why I stuck a lot of people together because I knew we were gonna. I knew, like, this is a series. I, I, Stephanie put me as the host of one of the most highly casted shows of like the past like ten years. To put this into perspective. We were originally going to do this around episode 3 or 4, but the reason we did was because there were so many characters that weren't introduced yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the show's not even over yet as of this recording, so... Yeah, I know. It's like episode 7 comes out tomorrow, yeah. I think, for us, as of day of recording. Lack, uh, Godspeed, as the person who holds the land speed dub talk record for most characters talked about on a podcast. You got this, buddy! Well, we, we've cut down the cast to, the, to what is essentially the most important people of the first, like, six episodes. So that's who we're gonna mostly talk about. The people who have the most story significance, I guess I should say. Um, so... Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, expendable soldier number five. <laughs> exactly. Next time, buddy. Probably voiced by Christopher Guerrero or something. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I asked to be the host of this, but whatever. Okay, so, uh, so let's get started with the, uh, directors and the writer. For directors, just to be clear, we're not doing, like, guesses, right? We're not doing uh, I mean, like, I, I, I do have my predictions on the end. Yeah, I have predictions, too. Okay, well, whatever, we can do those then. Yeah. So, uh, for directors, we've got Clifford Chapin and Brittany Lauda. Now, Clifford Chapin, you might know as the ADR director for Occupus Trip, the animation, uh, Castletown Dandelion, Genocidal Organ, and Garo Crimson Moon for at least episodes 1 through 12. For Brittany Lauda, uh, we have her work on Oisekai no Chosen Day. We have uh, Holy Night. We have Jude and Sean, and we have Ladies vs. Butlers, which is pretty much all for MB Voice Works Day stuff, but whatever. <laughs> for the writer, we have Clayton Browning, uh, who's worked on D. Grayman, Darling of the Franks, Joker Game, and Concole. So, who wants to start? Uh, I guess I'll go first, since uh, I, I'm here. So... I did have uh, a couple predictions for director, both of who obviously didn't pan out, because I had Kyle Phillips, because I was like, hey, I like Kyle Phillips stuff, and Felicia Angel, and then I just went kind of more safe for the writers and Bonnie Clinkenbeard and Emily Neves, but I actually really like the direction and writing on this show, um, especially the writing. I feel like, even though this is a show that takes place in the future, there's a lot of terminology and attitudes that could easily be misconstrued if they went a little bit too out of line with, like, slang or, um, like, unintentional swearing and stuff, because obviously there's, like, crap blowing up in space, and, uh, a lot of very, very, um, heavy politics that are starting to come up, even as even as early as in episode five, which, um, if you don't have a deft touch as a writer can come off as very, very heavy-handed, very, like, you can turn a lot of people against your dub, and that ha has unfortunately happened in the past. Um, Direction-wise, I feel like though Cliff and Brittany Lauda are a team on this, I can really feel Brittany Lauda's handprint all over this. Um, one of the other shows she directed was Aino Kusabi for Media Blasters, 
And that had a pretty distinct cast to it. That was a lot of people in places I didn't expect. And I'm kind of seeing it in this cast. I'm liking that she's also getting to cast um, a lot of female characters with actresses that I normally don't expect to be in there. And that's a really nice touch for me. So all in all, great effort for in my my book. Okay, I guess I'll go next. Um, so going over my predictions real quick. Uh, for ADR director, I said Chris George mostly because he d he handled. Um, I mean, what was I thinking of? Oh yeah, I was thinking of Snow White with the red hair because that was like kind of like a you know fantasy thing with a little bit of politics to it. Uh, so I figured he might do a good job with this. And for ADR script, I said body click and beer because I was feeling lazy. Um, okay, um, so going over our actual directors and scriptwriters. Uh, I've said a few times before that Clifford Chapin is usually a pretty reliable director, so I didn't have any real worries when I saw his name with the Tatsuna Dub. Uh, having said that, I did kind of find the overall direction to be a little bit stiffer than I was expecting. I mean, it's not like stiff to the point of sounding wooded or anything. And, like, pretty much all the performances are fine on a technical front. But I was kind of hoping for something maybe, like, a little bit more natural sounding, even if the show kind of is mostly just politics in space. I mean, but I'm guessing, like, maybe, but I'm guessing, like, that tone is a reason why uh, Cliff and Britley opted to go this route for the dub. And, I mean, like, it mostly works, but I guess this wasn't quite what I was expecting. Uh, Script-wise, I don't have as much to say since it doesn't make any, like, notable deviations in translation. Uh, but I do kind of appreciate how some of the dialogue was modernized and sounded like a little bit less 80s while still keeping the, all the pros intact. Like, it can be pretty hard to balance that sort of thing, so I gotta give them a lot of props on that front, and, um, yeah, that's basically it for me. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed the direction on this. Uh, I thought they captured the tone of the show very well. I've, I've gotten the vibe that, um, Legend of Galactic Heroes and Original Forum feels very, like, stately and classy it's very much the kind of thing where like megan's saying if you used a lot of like slang it would kind of stand out because it's like this feels too new for this thing that feels like it could have been written like a hundred years ago or something like that uh, i mean i mean, I mean I don't know, some of what it talks about feels like it might have been written two years ago i mean i know, I know in that <laughs> sense yeah but just this like this feel this feels this feels adult this feels like something that like you know you put on the same shelf as like you know well-respected sci-fi writers from like the 50s or something you know it, it feels very if it it, it 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 feels very like i like classy this feels like great literature in some fashion and i feel like um the direction and the writing both kind of capture that i feel the dub um yeah i would i, I agree i wouldn't i wouldn't quite call it stiff but i feel like it kind of captured that sense of like you know that you're you're it's like masterpiece theater or something um it's very stately in its own way I think the writing does that as well, as far as like um, capturing that, but not, but you know, like when there's like levity or something like that, it could that can shine through. It's not just like serious and grim all the time. Yeah, uh, I'm enjoying it. I think they've uh, they capture what feels like the right voice for the show. Um, and you know, speaking of my capacity, somebody who has no real experience with this franchise prior to watching this, you know, I've been enjoying it. Has no real experience with this franchise. Drops eight hundred dollars in anime boxes. You shut your so you shut your face. That box is beautiful, and it will look great on my shelf. Whether or not I watch any of it is secondary. This series is a piece of anime history. Let's not forget that. I mean that too. Yeah. It's it's one of the most successful OVA series ever made. So successful since I said, you see this box? This box the size of a human head? You will pay $800 for Let, it. Let's, let's look on the bright side here. We'll never have to do an episode of that. 
thank you. That is yeah, true. I mean, I feel like in fairness, I was probably told they had to, like, ask for that price, but, yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I actually I actually asked them, like, why they weren't doing a dub for it, and it was, like, I think the, the, the background audio and, like, the music files are like, gone. Yeah. The material just too old. So yeah, old. Yeah, yeah, it's straight up They gone. were going to damage it. Ah, uh, they'll do it. To, um, to kind of, uh, back, you know, uh, to backpedal off of what Amandula was saying, um, the thing about the Legend of Galactic Heroes, from my little experience with it, it's a very flowery, very larger-than-life kind of series, so the, the, the sense of scope needs, is reflected really well in the dialogue. I think the writing of the dialogue in this dub was exceptionally well done. Uh, and I, I think the direction was, was also very good, but I think the writing is really where it stands out. Because there's a there's just a lot of little subtleties in this, especially with some of uh, Yang's uh, dialogue that I really enjoyed, because he's the ver- he's the most human element of the series. And when you get all that flowery and, and backstabbing politics, you know, very I don't know what you want to call it, but very kind of Shakespearean kind of backstabbing stuff. It, it's nice to see a character who is very human, and it I think the the writing really reflected the great balance between the humanity and the and the larger-than-life kind of aspects of the series. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that stood out for me. Uh, I would say the casting is all really strong around here, ar- around the entire series. I just... Um, I think it just really helps that they all had a really good script. Because it felt like the effort was really there. They weren't just trying to get this done. And I, I mean, they're still working on it, obviously, but yeah, uh, I, I think that's really my thoughts overall for like the directing and writing. So, should we move on? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, next, we're going to talk about Anna Rose von Grunwald and Frederick the Fourth. Does anybody have predictions? Uh, I did not do predictions for the two of them. Unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> I, I realized I kind of. St- uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so, oh, no, I was going to say, like, I'm surprised I actually don't have predictions for free. <laughs> uh, for uh, Ryan Argento. My bad. I, uh, I don't know. Okay. I, I, uh, I don't have predictions because I've spent most of the past six weeks swimming in a different anime space opera and it's not had the time. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I just realized I should start describing who these characters are. Uh, Anna Rose von Grundewald is um, the sister to, to Reinhard. And uh, Frederick the Fourth is his father. It is no, so, no, so, okay, no, okay, no, no. Fre- no Frederick the Fourth is like the current ruler of the empire. Okay. And Anna Rose is one of his uh, many, uh, I guess, consorts. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Is, is, yeah, is, yeah, basically, she is his consort. She was like, and she was bought by him essentially. I only ever watched the prequel anime, the prequel OVA, so I'm not totally like they, they kind of like briefly explain that in episode three. Right, right. I'm I'm remembering it all now because Anna Rose has to go away for a while. Right, yeah. So, and and then Reinhard gets so mad at this, he joins the military and says, "All right, Kirschites, we're going to get my sister he, back." He he goes all Lelouch v Britannia on you know. Just more adorable than <laughs> Lelouch as a child to me. Kinda, yeah. Uh. If only you were played by Jun Fukuyama in the Japanese, <laughs> Reinhard. Then that would have been funny. Exactly. It is kind of surprising he wasn't cast, but... They went for the next heaviest guy in the room. They got the Lord Miyano. 
<laughs> all right, June. All right, Mamaru. We've got one roll. We've got one ham. You two are going to fight over it, and the winner gets to come out and be Legend of the Gladiator. And I believe the original say it was Vegeta, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Cap Captain Falcon! But anyway. All right. So, Anna Rose von Grunewald is uh, voiced by Amber Lee Connors, who was uh, Mei Aihara in Citrus. Ray and the Collector in The Silver Guardian, because I feel like I needed to mention that. Uh, uh, Baccarat in one in the One Piece film Gold. And Nozomi Kiminashi in, Kai, in Kaijo. Or should I say Kaijo? Alright, All right. so uh, Megan, do you want to go first again? Yeah, um, I feel really bad in that um, I kind of watched the show in like two, three episode chunks. And the first time I watched the first three episodes, I was sick as balls. Um... So, I can't remember Frederick Frederick uh, IV very well. I'm assuming that... I'm going to say he did sound good from what I remembered. He sounded kind of, like, domineering and, like, as the the king of the giant empire. Uh, but, man, Amberly Connors left a big impression on me because I almost cried my eyes out to that episode. Like, episode three almost, like, destroyed me. I was like, no, don't go, Anna Rose, to fight, to fight the empire for your brother! And you're his little best friend. Come on, don't don't put that shit on Kirshai's woman. Where she's just like, you need to stay there and protect him. You're signing that boy's death wish. That boy gonna die now. He don't want to go to war. You don't want to go to... Kirshai's, you're way too puppy-like to go to war. But, man, she left a really big impression on me of being very sisterly and very almost motherly, even at a young age, and just how much she cares, like, the care in her voice that she has for Reinhardt really carried in Amber's performance, and um, I'm really happy that she's in this dub. Um, I know Amber Lee Connors gets cast in a lot of things, but this isn't a place I would have really expected her as, um, as this the sister character, and I think you see her in the opening. She's the woman in the big pretty white dress sitting all alone like a big porcelain doll so i'm hoping that she comes back before well, this season the ends. thing is there's not a lot of women in this series so i think the anime is trying to sell as many female characters in it as they can as, and as, i mean there aren't a lot of female characters but the ones that are there are all pretty important so they show at least that's that going for it yeah and I mean, at least two of them have already tried to beat the shit out of people. So. Yeah. The best girl on the galactic side doesn't show up to like season. Well, yeah, I'm guessing season two next year. So, but like, I really, I really, her emotionality in the performance really carried through because I'm like sitting here. It's like I'm like three episodes into the show and I'm already wanting to like cry my eyes out. And apparently, this is like one of the most tear jerking franchises ever made. So, good job, Amberly. Uh, I can't wait for you to stomp on my heart. Uh. Before we... Uh, are you done, Megan? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, before we move on, I realized I totally butchered that and did not talk about Friedrich the Fourth. So, so, I'm just going to do that and then I'm going to take it over to you, Jarvis. So, uh... So, yeah, Friedrich the Fourth is voiced by Bill Flynn, who was Dr. Asaga... Or, Ag Agasa, sorry, Dr. Agasa in Case Closed, the narrator and Lord's Marksman in Vanadis... Uh, Captain Rabolo in Gunslinger Girl, and Kosaku Kotoishi in Barakamon. So, okay, yeah, yeah but I guess that helped me a little bit. Um, so I guess I'll talk about Bill first. Um, uh, 
I mean, like, so it's kind of interesting that uh, Megan talked about, like, how he sounded, you know, kind of distinct and kingly, because, like, he did give that vibe for me a little bit, but he also kind of gave, like, you know, a very kind of, like, tired vibe, like, you know, kind of like, he's a king, but he's also like, I, you know, I kind of want to be here, I'm just kind of here because I have to be, and, uh, and, like, and that sort of, re and that sort of kind of reflects the mindset of the character himself a little bit, because, like, he's... Like, like, he, he, like, at this point, he's, like, you know, the way to the long line of Bardock. He's just kind of, like, here because he has to be. So, I, so I thought that, I thought that toad was kind of nice. Um, okay, and as far as, um, Amber as Otteros goes, um, I like the, I like this quite a bit. It's a little less, uh, princessy than I was expecting, you know. I was trying to, you know, kind of tell, like, you know, like, very royal kind of, like, you know, stern or whatever, but, um. It's pretty nice, you know, she sounds very warm, which I think fits, especially considering, and we mostly hear it all, like, the childhood flashbacks, so, I mean, so, like, take her interact with Reinhardt and Cage Ice, and, 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 and uh, you know, that's how, like, friendly she is to Cage Ice, I thought that was, like, pretty nice, so, um, yeah, I like that a lot, I don't really think of anything ne too negative to say about these two, um, all done. Yeah, um... Yeah, I thought I thought Billy Flynn was pretty solid as Friedrich the Fourth. I confess I don't remember him very well because I've seen the uh, episodes four through six a lot more recently than the first three, which I saw a while he, ago. He was only like in one scene. Yeah, he, he doesn't have like any screen time again to like the latest episode of the Japanese version. So yeah, yeah. I, I I just put him in here because he's narratively significant. Right. So no, he's like Flynn sounded fine. I'm sure when he shows up and gets a little more screen time, I'm, I, I imagine that'll become more apparent. Um, but I enjoyed him while he's on screen, and I also really liked um, Amberly Connors as Anne Rose. She, she's had this nice, like, sweetness to her, and she's very gentle and kind. And I don't know, it's a real bummer of an episode, man. Like, don't go, don't fucking don't, go, don't, Anna don't Rose. Don't be a consort for the emperor. That's weird. You're tearing your brother apart. He's gonna go get himself killed now. I thought I was watching Legend of Galactic Heroes, not Violet Evergarden. Oh god. Oh god. Oh dear. Um yeah, no, I enjoyed her a lot. I thought she was she was very nice and she's another character who I'm looking forward to seeing more of because like a lot of the Imperial side, she's kinda of dropped off the earth for the past four three or four episodes. Um but I'm looking forward to that again. Yeah. Alright, well, I'll go next. Um I I probably just haven't heard enough of her, but I was really surprised to find out that was Amberly Connors, who uh who was playing Anna Rose. Um I, I think she did a great job. I think she played, a, she did regality very well without going over to the point where it sounded like parody. And I, I just, she she wasn't in the show very much, and neither was uh, Friedrich the Fourth. Um, although I got, I got the sense of royalty from Friedrich, and I thought he was a very imposing figure. And I I, I am excited to see more about him because. It, it it is a it is an interesting character, and his relationship with Reinhard is one of the the key components of this series. Uh, even though the first few episodes have really focused more on Yang than than uh, Reinhard, but uh, for Anna Rose, I even in that one episode, she did leave a big impact because her character is is very significant to Reinhard's motivation, and. Uh, again, I think Amber played it very well in how subtle she was in like the presentation because it, it's it's hard to give a character like this personality because there there's not really much to her aside from being the older sister. But 
I, I liked what Amber did with her in, in the idea of her, her more maternal warm aspect of, of her personality, in spite of the fact that she was in a pretty bad situation where she was forced into marriage. I don't think he, like, I don't think he even, like, actually married her. I think she literally bought her as a side. <laughs> She's a concubine? Is that what this... Yes! Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he bought her as a side. Oh, jeez. Well, I didn't catch that part, but, um... Yeah, it's... I'm sorry for the crude language, but, like, that's about the best way I can get it across. Is I mean, look, look, the Galactic... Amber Lee Connors is this old guy's side hoe. You, you heard it here first, folks. The Galactic Empire is decadent and depraved. Uh, but, yeah, the... I, actually, I'm glad you brought that up, because that, that... That's... That actually adds on to what I was saying, because of the fact that... It never came across as insincere how kind she was. And even when she was put in a bad situation she still managed to come across like she genuinely cared about people and she wasn't letting this get her down. And I think that's that was a very important like aspect of the character because it shows that she and her brother both have a sense of drive that keeps them going. And I think Amber played that really well and I think and I'm really again I'm really interested to see where Bill Flynn is taking Frederick the 4th. So yeah, those are my thoughts. Alright, shall we move on? Yeah. Okay, and I'm going to do this right this time. Alright, for for the next uh, entry we have Jean-Robert Lapp is a Robert. I I do not remember, but I'm going to guess Robert just going by the five minutes, John. Okay, Jean-Robert Lapp, uh, Jessica Edwards, and Alex Kazern, Kazerne, I guess. Uh, Jean-Robert Lapp is the best bro to Young uh, for most of his uh, introduction episodes. Jessica Edwards is the girl that Jean is in love with, who kind of befriends Young. And after Jean is unfortunately killed, spoilers, uh, <laughs> Jessica and Young get uh, much close. Uh, Jessica and Young kind of find, like, solace within each other where Jessica becomes kind of a, a protester of how the military is handling like the rebellion and Young likes that because he doesn't he's not very interested in how things are he's not very happy with the way things are going right now either and Alex Cazerne Ka- is uh Jean's psychiatrist superior kind of I just call him Young's dad. Young's, <laughs> Young's dad, yeah. He's kind of like Young's, Young's dad. other dad. Yeah, he's, he's kind of like Young's superior who just... He, he kind of loves that for him a little bit, so... Yeah, I mean, I at first I thought he was like a psychiatrist or something like that, but I guess not. He's kind of like, an, he's kind of like Young's like asshole father yeah. to me. He's just like, hey... Yeah, I know that you wanted to not go out today, but you gotta come out, Young. Why don't you just adopt an orphan, Young? Play chess with me, Jimmy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Timmy, you stop reading them books and play chess with me. Okay, I'm trying to look. <laughs> I didn't have predictions for Jean or Frederica, but I actually did have one for Alex. Uh, my prediction for yeah, my prediction for Alex was actually Mike McFarland. That makes sense. Yeah, that, I can it, see like, that. It was mostly just like looking off the character design and for and like what I remembered of what the character sounded like for the OVAs because well I actually haven't seen like a few episodes of those so. Okay. Anybody else? I did. I had a prediction for Alex, and I thought he was a lot younger. Okay. 
Um, I thought he was not older than young, which apparently he is, because he is like a wife and kids. Like, I think they, I think they his bring that up. Like, his kids are like uh, maybe like seven or eight, so they're not that old. Yeah, I, I assumed he was like late thirties, something like that. Okay, so my predictions may have not been as bad because my predictions for Micah Solisad and Derek Snow, but that was because I thought like Felicia or Kyle was Kyle was directing it because specifically Kyle was directing. I picked Derek Snow because they work a lot together. But I don't think I had anybody for uh, Jessica or as or as we like I like to call him Nantucket. That's the only way I can remember his name. I mean, look at him. He looks like he just stepped off the tennis court at a country club somewhere. Did we call him, like, Space Kennedy for a Space little bit? Yeah. <laughs> right. Look, I've been to Cape Cod. I've seen these people. You're correct. Space Kennedy. Well, he he did end up dead, so that's very Kennedy-like. Oh! <laughs> oh shit. Oh. Ask, was it Ask Not What You Can Do for Space? What was you can do for <laughs> exactly. And what did space do for Jean? Got him killed. Uh, uh, I'm going to marry this violinist. Don't worry, kids. I'm a professional. <laughs> Ig Ben Ein, space sailor. Yep. Uh, so who's voicing these five people? All right. Well, Jean Robert Lapp is voiced by Christopher Weckamp, who has voiced uh, Miles Edgeworth in Ace Attorney. Zed, the video, the anime, not the video game. Uh, Zed O'Brien in Blood Blockade Battlefront and Beyond. The second voice of Shoto Aizawa in My Hero Academia. And Tatara in Tokyo Ghoul Route A. For Jessica Edwards, we have Don M. Bennett, who was Esmeralda in Garo the Animation. Dark Elf in Bikini Warriors. A in Shobai Rock. And Miko Kobayakawa in Kaijo! Uh, for Alice Kazern or Kazerne, uh, we have good old Chuck Huber, who was Greg in Appleseed 13, Emperor Pilaf, and Android 17 in Dragon Ball, Shao Tucker in Full Metal Alchemist, and Dr. Frankenstein in Soul Eater. The fact that this guy wears glasses, suddenly Chuck Huber more than it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, I, when, I, when this character first showed up and I heard Chuck Huber, I was like, yeah, this makes sense. Oh, that's, oh, yeah, this is perfect. I guess I'll take it. Yeah, no, it perfectly makes sense that Chuck Huber is uh, Young's adopted asshole father. Just, I like, I, can I also point out that, like, one of the realest scenes in the show is between him and Young when he's just like, so yeah, you're being transferred to the strategy course, and Young's like, I, 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 don't, I, I don't want that. I just want to study military history. He goes, yeah, this is the army, and you don't get to decide where you go, or you can leave and just pay off all your student loans, and... Young just kind of looks at him and goes, okay. I'm like, ah, yes, even in space, 3,000 fuck-odd years in the future, student loans are still going to drive people to do stupid shit. <laughs> Legend of Galactic Heroes, or as its alternative title is known, How Much Life Can Shit on Yang Wenli. Stop shitting on Yang Wenli, he's such a good boy. <laughs> Please stop, please stop. Just let Yang drink his tea and read his books, damn it. <laughs> and play chess, I guess. Leave him alone, Alex. To which, I like Alex because Alex, like, seems like some, like, Cheshire Cat-looking dude. Who's just like, hey, Yang, guess what? <laughs> like, I, I enjoy Chuck Huber as this, and it's nice to hear Chuck Huber play a dad that isn't awful. Um. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Um. Woo! 
Uh, but no, I really liked him. I hope that Alex kind of keeps around a lot more because Yang Alex is such a fun character. Because the best to me, the best parts of this show are just slice of life with Yang Win Lee. That's been most of the series so far. I, Look, if we could just keep that, I'd be okay with by it. By episode four, I was like, wow, they're really focusing on Yang a lot now. Like, this is weird. Look here, Yang is going to sell production IG a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> this is a true fact. He probably already has for the past, like, 20 years, right? They're giving Yang an android, and I'm buying the Yang. Nice. Android. Like, I was a little on the fence about the... I'm gonna probably buy the Reinhardt one, too, because the Reinhardt one comes with a bitchin' throne. Yeah, well, the Reinhardt one has been around for a while. I think he's just went up for... Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure they had Nendroids in the 80s versions, too, but... The new, the new, this series, specifically. Oh, okay, alright. Yeah, the designs for this series, and the one for this series has a Reinhardt with a bitchin' throne. <laughs> Good and I'm buying times. it for the throne. Uh, anyway, but no, uh, Jessica, I really, god, I forgot Don Bennett can do, like, older women voices, because my favorite show has Don Bennett playing a little boy in it. So I was like, oh shit, Don Bennett can, Don Bennett, hell yeah. And if you've ever actually heard her, her normal speaking voice, she does not sound like Jessica at all. Right. Uh, she's an absolute sweetheart, so I really liked her, and she brought such this maturity and levity to her character, because... Jessica is very wise beyond her year, and I think the writing on her is also beautiful. Um, I think it's when she graduates from music school, and they're up on the roof of the library, and she talks to, uh, to Young about how he views life in the past, and she's like, I want to be a person who starts looking forward and thinks to the future, and that kind of, like, starts changing his life a little bit. I thought her performance in that was was breathtaking between that and when she confronts the evil politician and is like are you even really here right now and and then she kind of has this scene later on where she's in i guess like a shopping space sport because there was like a mall and then there was also people like looking to check out and go on the there was space. some moments where i was like the environment was really realistic and i was like this is kind of jarring like is this like space New York now? Are they in like space? Are they in, like the space like the space tur like <laughs> turbo? Yeah. Um, and then she's talking about like, man, maybe I should have been like the grieving other grieving widows and just uh had my pain in peace and just God, I hope Jessica comes back because Dawn was fantastic. And then I actually could not tell that it was Chris Waycamp for the life of me as Nantucket. I mean John. Um. Unfortunately, John is dead, which means he's probably actually just got reincarnated, and now he's Kodai in Yamato 2199, and you can never tell me that that's not true. Um, weirder shit has happened in 2199. I mean, it, a, I mean, a guy's ghost literally almost fucked over Earth so his brother could get laid. Um, I mean, it's in the Harlock universe, so, you know. <laughs> hey, that show has Harlock, and he's got a submarine. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't have Battleship Yamato without friggin' Harlock. I, I will say, I think John got the raw end of that deal, because Kodai has way less skills than the ladies. Yeah, John was, like, very good at getting... I'm still con I'm, I'm still wondering what he did to woo Jessica, because <laughs> the first time they're at the bar, it's like, so I asked Jessica out how to go. She said no. <laughs> and I was like, damn, Nantucket doesn't have the skills I thought. But no, John, uh, even in the first episode, because I think he dies in episode... Uh, he died in episode two in the OVA. I can't remember if it was one or two. 
I mean, I, th I think it's two, because I think one and two are the same battle from each side's perspective, so... Which I thought was a great idea, how they did that. Oh yeah, that was a really great way to introduce everybody, especially because I feel like you didn't need to split time between, like, hey, we're gonna split, like, half the episode between Yang and half the episode between Reinhardt and get, like, none of the characters. Yeah, because the prequel OVA kind of mashed them, you know, mashed them together and it was kind of weird and awkward, so... So, uh, I really liked Chris Waycamp as Jean. Um, I'm really sad that he doesn't, he's probably only going to show up in flashbacks, uh, for the rest of the franchise, because I thought he was a really great character, and that just proves that anybody can die in this show, but Christopher Waycamp hasn't given a bad performance in the last couple of years. Like, he has consistently been one of Funimation's most solid actors. Um... Just, he's an all-around, just, like, solid actor you can plug into uh, any performance. So, that being said, I'll pass it on. Um, okay, I guess I'll start off with John since I didn't have, like, too much to say. I mean, I enjoyed Chris Wakehead's performance. He was, like, you know, very good at playing the bro. And, uh, and, I, and I thought he was, like, really good at, you know, playing that kind of personality without making him sound too obnoxious. And, like, it, it is kind of interesting you brought up, like, how he sort of wooed Jessica because, um, it's kind of interesting how they did that between how it was, like, played up in the OBAs because in the OBAs, they apparently, they kind of played it up as a little bit more of a love triangle, which was kind of weird, but, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, but I guess it's a degradation worth a little bit better for me. Uh, but, uh, anyway, I anyway, I was pretty happy with Chris Raycap there. Um, as far as, a uh, Dawn as Jessica goes. I really enjoyed that too. Uh, she certainly wasn't who I was expecting for that character, but she played her very well. She got off uh, she got off that sense of maturity very well, and I especially enjoyed her, you know, during that big scene in episode five. That's uh, where she, where she confronts uh, the evil politician and you know pretty much calls him out of his nonsense. I thought that was really great. And it was also, you know, kind of like a really good point for sort of discerning this show's politics, so I thought that was pretty well handled. And, and as far as um, Chuck Huber's Alex goes, I've been really enjoying that far. I mean, ah, enjoying that so far. Uh, it's been pretty interesting, especially uh, considering how uh, that character looks to be compared to the OVAs, because if you look at this version of the character and the version of the character in the OVAs, it is like night and day. <laughs> Like, the character in the is kind of... I mean, I wouldn't say he looks like a background character, but it doesn't look, like, super beachy like this version does. So that's kind of, uh, so that's been kind of interesting. He's also had a lot more screen time here, which has also been, like, kind of weird, but... I mean, but I like his character, so that kind of works out. Uh, like uh, like Megan's been saying, he's sort of, you know, like, kind of been adding sort of, like, Yang's... You know, kind of, like, stern dad, and sense. he's kind of very real with him. And um, I and I sort of enjoy their dynamic. That's been pretty fun, and Chuck's done a pretty good job of playing it up so far. And um, I've enjoyed that performance a lot. I guess I've kind of been rolling a bit, but I don't have too much else to say. So I will go pass it on. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed um, Christopher Waycamp as John, even though he doesn't get to show up so much. Um, I'm sure part of that's what I saw, Jean. I'm like, oh my god, he's wearing a polo shirt. I don't think I've ever seen that in anime in my entire life. <laughs> it, just, it really threw me off guard. But I had to explain this to my mother earlier today <laughs> about this whole story. 
and she didn't get it. And I was like, Mom, have you not seen? I'm like, you lived in New York. You have seen some fuckers from Boston before. <laughs> I I have no idea how she puts up with me. Um, but no, I, I thought Chris did a great job. I liked. Um, I enjoyed his performance as Jean, who. You know, you just get the sense, like, here's a good, solid dude. He's a good pal. And it's just heartbreaking that he has to bite it, because, you know, why why, why the nice guy have to die? And I feel like that's the point, but, you know, I, I liked him. He, he did a good job. Um, I also really liked Dawn as Jessica. Um, she brought a lot of, like, this sort of, like, quiet sense of the character, which I liked. Um, and I especially liked, you know, that speech she gives to the... Uh, the political leader was like, you know, well, what, you're talking about the nobility of sacrifice. Where's your sacrifice? Where's your family dying on the front lines? What have you done for us lately? What's in your wallet? <laughs> <laughs> it's my money and I want it now! Brought to you by Space American Express. Um, no, Space JG went There we go. 877 cash now! Are you in good hands? No, but I thought, I thought she was really... Why could I remember that off the top of my head, but I can't remember, like, actual, like, important details of my life? <laughs> Different parts of your brain working. Uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed her performance. I thought she... It's, especially for the way her character is, where it's like, you know, you first see her having this, like, you know, kind of idyllic college life, and then the next time you see her, it's like, yeah, my husband's dead, and I'm not really happy about the way things are going right now. This seems a little bullshit. Um... And I, I, I thought she, she was able to kind of nail those aspects of the character, and I was, I really enjoyed watching her. And uh, I really, I really like Chuck Huber as uh, Alex. Um, watching him and him and Yang's, um, looks like you know, him and Yang's dialogue together is just a lot of fun, as far as I'm concerned. And I think Chuck brings out a lot of that of like, all right, here you go, You're, here's your new assignment, uh, here's your son, uh, don't screw up, and uh, don't fuck anything up, you'll probably do well. Good job, sport. Get your ass off the table. Yeah, exactly. Man. Or just like cynically explaining, it's like, well, you're a hero now because we just got our ass handed to us, so we need a hero. And you're it now. Congratulations. I hope you're happy. Yeah, no, he was, he was a lot of fun. And um, I think as we were talking about, like, Alex, is, he's clearly a Chuck Huber character. I mean, look at him. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy he's in here playing with Alex. Blonde and glasses. Blonde exactly. and glasses. He's not a mad scientist, so he's not a... 100% a Chuck Huber character, but he's close enough. <laughs> I feel like a mad scientist in this series would just feel bloated. Yeah! <laughs> it's like, why, why would we need a mad scientist? We've already got so much going on. We already have Yang. Yang, I didn't sign up for this. Uh, okay, so are we good to move on? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Alright, for the next round of characters... We've got Frederica Greenhill and Walter von Schoenkampf. So, uh, Frederica is actually an interesting part of the story, where she was a little girl who helped Yang after the, or her, she provided him with some coffee, which he states he's more of a tea guy, um, when she was a little girl during the Battle of whatever its name was. Uh, <laughs> it was the Battle of El Paseo. Thank you, yes, that's right. So many names. So many names to remember. Um, and Walter von Schunkampf is the biggest badass in the show. Because uh, he lives on what is essentially a, uh, a sort of training camp planet. And he is... Um, he, he, along with Frederica, are both enlisted by... Well, Frederica's not really enlisted, but she applies. 
and Walter is enlisted to join Young's fleet when he is provided with a uh, with a fleet, uh, like a half like a half uh, numbered fleet. Walter is also like specifically he that he's a, he runs this group known as the Rosen Ritter. They're like these guys who are all like defectives from the Empire. Yeah, pretty much. He's the Iceman. It's like it's like a pseudo prison planet kind of thing almost. Um, so, yeah, do we have any predictions for these two? Um, I do, actually. Uh, uh, let's see. For Frederica, I had Morgan Garrett. And for Walter, I had Robert McCollum. Okay. I had two predictions for each. Um, Amon, you're gonna get a kick out of my second Walter one. I'm just gonna say that right now. Oh, boy. So my predictions for Frederica were Alex Moore or Felicia Angeal, just because I genuinely enjoy both of them as actresses, and they don't get to be in a lot of stuff lately. Yeah. Well, they well they are in stuff, but uh, I thought they could both capture like kind of because Frederica looked a lot younger than everybody else on the. Well, she was. That's the whole point. I didn't know that when I made these. I just kind of like went based off looks. So. And then for Walter. I picked Dave Trosco because, hey, Dave Trosco can do, like, big kind of army guys. I've watched Sarah for the end. And, uh, I'm on. I went with Eric Vale because he's, Walter looks like the Iceman. Of the show, and he was the Iceman in You could be my wingman anytime. Uh. I'm just waiting for him to do that to Young. And, like, I want whoever, pl- the guy who plays Walter, I want him to bomb the guy who plays Wet, uh, Yang in the booth with that. Well, you know he would. You know that he absolutely. Oh would. my god, they would do it in a heartbeat to each other. Just have, just have some Kenny Loggins playing in the background there. How to the danger. Just hanging with the boys. God damn it. Uh, all right. So, uh, so as far as who actually voices them is Frederica Greenhill is voiced by Madeline Morris, who was Bianca in Izetta, The Last Witch. Uh, Hikari Karibuchi in Brave War Witches, not Brave Wars. Uh, <laughs> Akari Mamiya in Aria the Scarlet Ammo Double A or AA? How do you pronounce that? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and Maria, <laughs> because I wanted to trigger Megan, uh, Maria Totsuka in Seven ah! Mortal Sins. Oh no. <laughs> really? Michael <laughs> Walker, I trusted you and you betrayed me. How dare you? Oh come on. Okay, look, I hate that I hate that fucking show, but that episode will live on in my heart as one of the best nights of my life. Uh there there are just experiences between people that you will never forget and the the weirdest part was having to look roots in the face like two days later after we recorded that and have it not be weird because nobody else had heard what was going on in it. I will say this, though. Uh, a lot of that cast actually watched that episode. Um, and uh, I think uh, the lead in it, Nicole Endicott, was like, I don't know, but I like Megan screaming a lot. <laughs> so thanks, guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, and for Walter von Schunkampf... Uh, we have Christopher Sabat, who is, of course, known for Vegeta... Ya- <clears throat> Sorry, my voice went out there for a second. Uh, Vegeta, Yamcha, Piccolo, and Shenron in Dragon Ball Z. 
Elfman in Fairy Tale, Alex Louise Armstrong in Full Metal Alchemist, and of course, All Might from My Hero Academia. So, uh, who wants to go first? I guess I've been going first the whole time, so. Uh, I guess I'll start with Walter, because I have, um, actually, I have more to say about Frederica than I do Walter. Uh, for one, uh, that's probably the youngest I think I've ever heard Chris Sabat sound in my life. And that is no insult to him. I was just really surprised. Even more than Yamcha? Because I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound like a huge thing. I don't watch Dragon Ball Z. Okay, no, I, I, that makes sense. Yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't really, I, I, I that is not a franchise I enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, this is a franchise I enjoy, um. And I'll get to that in Final Thoughts, but no, I I love Walter. Like, I love Sabbat as Walter. Like, the second he opened his mouth, I was sold on this. He, he, I like his awkward, the, the awkward sense of not being able to joke around the rest of the Alliance about being from the Empire that he has in his voice. Where it's like, well, I either get captured or I, either I get killed or I get captured. And if I get captured, I get to go home. Wait, that's not funny to you guys, is it? Like, I just really like that sense to his voice and the way that he presents, uh, Walter. And that he also has this kind of sense of nobility to him, too, because when Frederica and, uh, Yang go into the base, um, he kind of tells the rest of them off, it's like, are you guys gonna keep acting like dickholes? Uh, and they're like, sorry, Walter. And he's like, okay, guys, let's, let's salute and get this all done, but... Uh, I loved it. I want to hear more of this particular performance because, again, this is not a voice that I'm 100% used to with Sabbath because I don't watch a lot of Dragon Ball Z, so I'm not really super familiar with Yamcha. I'm more like Armstrong, All Might, Elfman, where it's like, yeah, a big manly man, 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 man thing. And then Madeline Morris as Frederica, oh my god, I, I forgot Madeline Morris can play not teenagers um because fun fact i i like how you bring up seven mortal sins because there's actually a scene where uh, maria's mom talks to her and she was both the little girl and the mom and did the mom voice um i mostly associate madeline morris with like sophie from garo vanishing line and uh chitanda from hyoko which are like the younger girl voice and Frederica does have that sense of youth to her, but she also sounds like a much older, like, an adult, not like a teenager. Also be, holy shit, Frederica, marry me. Because when when her first reaction to getting, like, like, I, I guess, like, douchebag broed around by an army dude is to literally armbar him, throw him in the ground, and almost chop him in the nuts. Like, my heart just, like, grew three sizes that day. Um, so Frederica is... is right now best girl to be um i don't know who else is going to be introduced but frederica's up there and madeline was also probably one of my favorite performances in this too because uh, it was a very unexpected unexpected performance to me yeah i mean she was she was only in for like one episode at most so far and i was yeah i was just like can you, she just like keep being in the fucking show yeah. like can can we can this be legend of the galactic frederica <laughs> um because I, Frederica for head of the Empire, because I would say Yang, well, not Empire, Frederica for head of the Alliance, I would say Yang for head of the Alliance, but Yang doesn't want that. <laughs> Yang just wants his books and tea. Okay, um, so I guess that's my key to go. Um, okay, I'll start with Walter first, since I don't have too much to say about this one either. Um, 
So I wanted someone who could sound both crass and extremely likable, and while Chris Sabat wasn't my first choice, he pretty much fits here like a glove. Uh, he gets that attitude across perfectly, while also giving the character, like, just a mild hint of refinement that can, you know, kind of help me believe that he was a form of noble, because that's sort of important. And, um, like, out of the sidecast, I'd say he's actually my favorite so far. Um, far as Madeline's, Madeline Morris as Frederica goes, it's very interesting for me. Um, I really like how she played little Frederica in the flashback and made her sound, like, you know, pretty cute without going too over the top of it. And I had actually kind of figured that was how the adult version would sound. In said adult version, actually sounds, you know, like a lot more hearted and stern, which works, but also kind of feels like a little bit weird for this version of the character. And mostly because, like, I had listened to the Japanese version, it sounded like a little bit more youthful and energetic, which um, I felt kind of like matched what the new character design looks like. And uh, Madeline's performance, for me, actually felt a little bit more in line with what the OVA version of the character looked like, where she had, like, this much more mature presence. And, like, I don't have any real problems with that specifically, and it, and it works so far, it just kind of comes off a little bit weird. Uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more of it, so, um, so, so, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more. It's great. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I think the agreement here, uh, I like Christopher Savitt as Walter a lot, um, I don't, I mean, he, he wasn't in it too much so far, but I'm looking forward to hearing more, this, this seems like an interesting character, and I think, um, even though Savitt, Savitt's not doing kind of, I think, of, like, the Savitt voice, where you can hear every muscle on his body. It's, uh, it's a lot like his Daisuke Jigen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying it. Like it's it's. Nothing it, else is nice to hear. I like Chris Savitt, but I do feel like he tends to get cast as the muscly dude because he can do that really well. Uh, and it's always nice to hear him like stretch out a little bit more. Although he um, he was like the twink of that group. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I want to say you're wrong, but like I, geez, I mean, skinny I, guy. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he was more lean, muscular than anybody else. So you know. <laughs> We're still talking about a Sabbat character, yeah. right? Okay. I, 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 I figured one day the, the words Twink and Sabbat would come up, but this that's not the character that was coming in my what, mind. What were you thinking and of? And immediately my... See, originally I was thinking to Ayame Soma, but then it... Okay, except for we all know Ayame Soma is like... Okay, Ayame Soma is not a Twink. We all know Yuki was the Um... <laughs> yeah, no, I, enjoy, I, I enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more of him. Um, I feel like one of the th frustrating things about talking about this show is it unravels so slowly is that you get this character who's clearly going to be a big deal, but we've only seen them for about five minutes so far, and it's then hard to talk about them. Um, but nothing else, I'm excited to hear more from him, so I consider that a good sign. And, um, yeah, Frederica's awesome. <laughs> Can she get her own spinoff that's just about her being great? The these two were the dark horses of the series. I did not expect to like them as much as I did, honestly. Yeah, um... Yeah, I, I really liked Frederica, and I thought Madeline did a great job with her. Like, I'm also looking forward to hearing more out of that character. Um, it was just fun. It was just like, please don't take your hand off me, or I'm going to have to use violence on you. You don't want that. <laughs> it will end badly for you. So stop. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I had a lot of fun listening to her. I'm looking forward to her showing up in more episodes so I can enjoy more of that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Frederica Greenhill and Walter von Schunkopf, uh, these were probably two of my favorite characters so far. Uh, I thought they were great characters, and I thought the actors gave great performances. Uh, I don't really know Madeline Morse that well. 
Um, I, in fact, all the anime that I listed off, I haven't seen. <laughs> so I don't really, I don't really know if I would be familiar with anything she's done. But I absolutely really liked her in the role. I thought she did a great job. Uh, I was gonna say you were on the you were on uh, Vanishing Line, and she was Sophie. Oh, that's right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, sometimes they slip away from me. But yeah, she. Yeah. No. Now I remember. Um. But yeah, she did a great job as Frederica here, uh, especially the scene when she's a kid with uh, with Young. I thought that was really well done. Um. And the fact that she comes back all, like, much more matured and much more together, and she kind of put away her childish side to her, I think is really great. And I think it's awesome because we haven't really seen many of these characters, like, I, I mean, we, we saw, like, Reinhardt grow up. We didn't really see Yang grow up so much. And it's funny to think that Frederica is really the only other character we've kind of seen grow. Um, and I, I think Madeline did a great job... Of like just just being able to toss out the childish part of uh, of Frederica and bring in this more confident woman who could basically beat up an army of these super muscular like just freaking bad boy uh, bad boy ass soldiers and it's great uh, for Walter um, I can't think of a better actor to play Walter than Christopher Sabat if I'm being honest uh, I just love the the cool energy he brought to Walter. I loved Walter from the moment I met him. I thought he was a great character. Um I'm trying to think of some great moments. I love when he bows to Madeline, <laughs> to Frederica. That was really funny to me. Just because I haven't seen a character who's like so confident in his coolness that he's just willing to bow, which would honestly make any other guy who does that look like an asshole, but he somehow manages to get away with it. And it was really great. Um, so, yeah. I thought both of them were really good. I basically love Christopher Sabat and anything he does. And Walter was no exception at all. Um, yeah. No, this these two are definitely A-plus performances in my book. Alright. Do we want to move on? Yeah. Okay. So, next up, uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, Paul von Oberstein, uh, Willibald Joachim von Merkatz, and J Job? Is that how you pronounce it? Job? Uh, yeah. Or is it Job? And, um, it's hard to say, but I, I'm going to say I'm gonna say Job. Okay. Job Schrinucht. Schrinucht? Schrinucht? Okay. Alright. So, i got to remember these characters. <laughs> Oh, it's pronounced Oberstein. Oberstein? Okay. I know Paul because Paul has special eyes. <laughs> he's got those weird highlights and everything. <laughs> he's also like the only, one of the only people standing alone in the opening, so... <laughs> yeah. He was, um, he was more an assistant to one of the main characters, right? That's a, that's a, yeah, like, he's not, he has a point where he'd speak importance yet in the dub. Uh, they, they, yeah, basically, they just got, they got to where he becomes important to some version, so... Was was he Murkat's uh, assistant? No, he wasn't Murkat's assistant, but uh, he... No, he wasn't involved in the first battle at all, actually. No, he wasn't. Oh, no, he's not. Okay. Oh, no, he was... You meet him in the third episode uh, at the party for Reinhard in the, uh, for the first time. Right. 
And then he comes back at the very end of episode six where they introduce, like, the fort they're going to be fighting over because the whole point of the Empire Fort there is, like, this guy and this guy hate each other and because they hate each other, they're really good at killing the Alliance. And Yang is, I think, is tricking them with, like, a fake distress. Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny you bring up the party thing because, like, they actually introduce Oversight early. The fourth thing is actually the first time he shows up in the novels. Huh. Really? Damn. Well, I'm told this this one follows the books closer, right? Yeah, yeah, this one does follow the books closer, but, like, he's an important character, so I get why they will want to introduce him early. So, that makes sense. Okay. Alright. And, uh... Von Marquez was um, was one of the admirals who didn't like uh, Reinhardt, right? He was he was yeah he was one of the first ones to talk to him in like the first scenes, and he just did not trust Reinhardt at all to be able to handle any of this. Yeah. So, and in the OVA from the eighties, he looks like Burt Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. Because apparently there are just no pictures of them in their new two thousand eighteen looks. Because I've looked that's, everywhere. That's, like, I, mean, I mean, like, the 80s version has been around for, like, forever, and those are very distinctive character designs, so I guess, like... <laughs> guess we're going through the episode four screen cast. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... And, uh... Ju- uh Job, uh... Schoenicht is an asshole who's running... <laughs> He's kind of the biggest asshole of anybody in the show, I would say. Um... Because he's he's running the alliance, which is just a bunch of people who are trying to get their rights back, and he's basically using it for power, and he's the one who uh, who gets chewed out by Jessica. So uh, and it was awesome. They took our gerbs. They took our gerbs. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Anybody got any predictions for this? I don't for for job. I'm just like I know it's Joe, but it's just really funny to read his job. Uh. Job. Taking our jobs. Exactly. Taking our job. You're bad at your job, job. Uh, no, I didn't have anything for Job or Willibald, but I did for Paul. And uh, because I'm an awful, awful human being who knows that Junichi Tsubabe plays Paul in the Japanese, this is obviously where I put hands and uh. Uh, Oh, come on. Uh, no, no, I actually would have been very interested to hear that. Uh, but I also had Joel McDonald or Adam Gibbs, because I didn't know how old Paul was. Adam Gibbs, really? Hey, look, Adam Gibbs is in, like, effing everything. I know, season. but I can't imagine... Adam Gibbs makes more sense to me than Joel McDonald does. I mean, like, Oversight isn't, like, super old, but, like, he he's pretty old. <laughs> I don't know, you never know. Like, Adam Gibbs could per- could freak us out, but instead they I, keep no, making like, emo cops. I said Joel McDonald was weird. I almost oh. feel like... Yeah, Joel McDonald's done weird. I almost feel like Adam Gibbs would fit Reinhardt better. But... I didn't have any predictions for, uh... Joe Trudict, but... Uh, let me see. For Burkett's, I had either John Swayze or Mark Stoddard, and for Oberstein, um, I said David Walt. Uh, so, uh, specifically, like, I didn't want Suwami, but I wanted someone who could sound, you know, who could sound kind of, like, swarmy and stern, and, like, David, and David Walt is good at those things, so I figured it would be a good fit. Best dad. Now, if only Paul was a yeah, dad. best dad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for Paul von Oberstein, we have uh, J. Michael Tatum, who is known for being Erwin Smith in Attack on Titan, Sebastian Michaelis in Black Butler, uh, Rintaro Okabe in Steins Gate, 
and Life Sexy and you. Yuri Ka- Kuma Arashi. Shabadadadadoo. <laughs> uh, hey, there's another Junichi Suwabe character, actually. <laughs> there's there's a great clip of the Japanese. Uh, I guess it was like... I think it's during the episode where they do Lulu's backstory and Yuri Kuma. Where, like, a thunder crashes. And instead of getting the soundtrack to do the da na da na 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 it's just Junichi Suwabe as this bear going... And it's I, it's kind of the best thing on the planet. Alright, uh, for Willibald Joachim von Merkatz, we have Mark Stoddard, who was Blitz T. Abrams in Blood Lockade Battlefront, Joe Butterfly Joe Koizumi in Ping Pong, the animation, Hans von Zetor in Saga of Tanya the Evil, and Dr. Briefs in Dragon Ball Z Kai. For, Dro- for Job Trinicht, uh, we have Dave Trusco, who was uh, Hayo Ichimanji in Burst Angel. Precht Gabolg Ge- uh, uh, in Fairy Tale Zero. Uh, Yahiro Samukawa in Guilty Crown. And Renaldo in 91 Days. I'll go first. I'll start with Job. Um... So Job is a test run for another character that uh, is also going to become a bad politician in another franchise that I like. And I don't know if Dave Trosko was uh, stayed on as that character for said franchise because he was them for one line in the second season of that show. But Job is very good at sounding like a very real politician. Um, that was kind of the moment when I was watching this show where I was like, okay... This is something written from, like, when did the original novels come out? Like, the 70s, 80s, I think it was the 80s, right? Like, the novels were... The novels were either the 70s or the 80s. The OVAs were, like, definitely the 80s. Okay, so... Despite the source material of the show being, like, almost... Like, what, 30, 40 years old now at this point? It is completely relevant to today's day and age. And job, job, the writing that and on job and Dave's performance on him nailed it. And that's probably why they decided to do an anime of Legend of Galactic Heroes. They're like, it reminds me of like one of the things they say at the beginning of the show that I think is like really poignant, where they say like the opening narration is like, if you like, if any of the events here seem familiar, if any of these characters seem familiar, it is but a clunk of history. And I was like, yep, that's that's really on point. Also, speaking of the narrator, good God, Chris George, narrate my life. Shout out to Chris George for doing an awesome job as the narrator. Yeah, dude, like, that guy, like, I'm not kidding you, like, that man could narrate a nature documentary and I'd watch the shit out of it. But yeah, no, Job was, Dave's job was really great, and also be, I like getting to hear Dave Trosco in a lot of things, because I also think he's an actor that Funimation doesn't utilize as much anymore as they used to. Then again, the man owns, like, two of his own restaurants, so he's kind of busy. Um... Aha, I can't wait to go there in, like, two months. Uh, Mark Stoddard is Willibald. Um, Mark Stoddard does Mark Stoddard things. This is a character I completely see Mark Stoddard playing as a grumpy old guy. He also, to me, kind of looked like his character from Akka, who was also a silvered-haired guy who didn't trust the main blonde dude in the show. Uh, but man, Tatum was really good as Paul. Uh, and I like when Tatum gets to play, like, these types of characters, because... It's been a while. Like, I am so used to Tatum being Ida. 
from my hero at this point. That is true. He's been play he's been playing a teenager for a really long time now, so It's been like what? Like it's it's actually something like we kind of like uh Andrew and I like were talking about cuz um I was lucky enough to be home uh the first 3 weeks that they did My Hero on Toonami. I happened to be home from work. Um and we both kind of looked at each other as like, "Wow, Tatum's performance as Ida has really evolved over two years because when you go back and watch the first episodes of of My Hero, you can hear that that stick is f- still firmly planted up Ida's ass. Um, but Paul is... I like getting to hear Tatum play like this more mature, older character. I mean, obviously there's stuff like Okabe and Sebastian uh, and Erwin, but... At least in the, in the terms of, like, Sebastian and Okabe, there's something larger than life to those characters. And also the same thing with Erwin. Like, there's this, like, kind of, like, okay, like, look at these shows. I haven't watched Steins Gate Zero, so I do apologize. Um, that if his performance as Okabe in Zero is a little bit more grounded due to the material that is in Steins Gate Zero. But there's something to Paul that... I can't really put my finger on it, and maybe it's just because Paul hasn't done a lot yet in the show. But I could, and and kind of like as I feel about Walter, I would be completely interested to see like where this goes. Not just because of the actor they put it there, but because how the character is being written and that uh, their dialogue is being adapted into English and how they're being directed. Because um, Paul seems like he, he knows more than a lot of these, like, stubborn, stuffy old generals who are more concerned about a body count than, like, actually, like, strategic differences. Hey, um, I guess I'll go. Um, okay, so I'll start with uh, Job Trudix because I don't have, like, too, too much to say here. Um, I really like Dave Trudix's performance so far. He does, a, he does a really great job of, like, you know, playing the shady politician. And I, pre- and I appreciate how he makes him sound like a real politician, not like obviously evil. He see, he makes him sound like the kind of guy who like who would win an election. He's like you know like promising a bunch of things that he will never actually deliver on. And I thought that was pretty interesting, especially with how like the character looks now, because this version of the character does kind of look, you know, he he does kind of look semi trustworthy, whereas in the OVAs he just kind of looked like you obviously would not trust this person. So I thought that difference was pretty funny. Um, okay, as far as um, Mark Sutter's and Murkats goes, like, I, I, well, obviously I kind of wanted to be Murkats, so that worked out pretty well. Uh, he definitely does a very good job of playing, like, the old season general pretty well. That's a, and, he, and he's always been pretty good at those kind of characters, so I think that'll work out really well. And I'm definitely looking forward to hearing more of Urban Swimming because that character becomes a little bit more important with time, so that'll be fun. And uh, as far as saying Michael Tatum is Overside goes, I actually kind of figured he was going to be Overside and like, part of me was sort of hoping that wouldn't be the case. And like not because I didn't think he was going to give a good performance, but because it seemed like a pretty safe choice. Um, like Overside is kind of meant to be sort of like the shady advisor who... Like, he'll tell you like it is, but there's, like, something about it you just, like, don't trust. And, um, uh, Jay Michael Tatum is, like, pretty good at that sort of thing. And it, but it's also the sort of thing I've heard him do several times before, and, um, so far it's basically been kind of what I expected. Uh, and he, uh, but he certainly played up oversized plot this pretty well so far. 
And I and I'm pretty sure he'll be able to surprise me with time. I'm just kind of hoping he gets there. Uh, one thing that did kind of stand out to me so far with his delivery is how he plays Overside as like a little bit more AIDS and cynical than he, he normally does for these types of characters. And like it's a pretty small thing, but it does kind of match Overside's personality pretty well. So it does kind of give me hope that his performance will get a little bit more to sync as he goes along. But um, yeah, that's basically what I have to say about these three. Um, um, I like them for the most part. It's, I'm looking forward to hearing more. Let's see. Um, I, I enjoyed Mark as, um, is it Willibald? Is that what we're going for? I call both of these characters by their last name. That's a good idea. Meerkats, that's much easier to pronounce. <laughs> I'm Walt Willibald, owner of the Dimsdale Willibald. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I, got it. I don't know if I've ever actually heard someone call Overside by his first name. <laughs> Sorry, that's the, it's the first one on that line in my notes. That's my I went to. Um, I, jo- I enjoyed I enjoyed Marcus uh, Marquette. He was you know he, he felt like he was appropriate for the character. You know, stern, gruff, um, old dude who does not think much of this young punk who's trying to run everything right now. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I also like Jay, uh, Tr- Dave Trosco as Job. Um, he did he did a very good job being that politician who's very calming and he sounds like he knows what he's doing but when someone's being a nuisance he's you know please you know security please escort this woman she's clearly having a problem right now let us all rise for the national anthem and they play some patriotic woohoo um and I, <laughs> I, <laughs> um, look it's generic stately horror music that's our national anthem um and i, I enjoyed dave a lot i thought he, he did it did it sound like oh canada to anybody else Truly, the nation's greatest e- the Wait, so they're not Space America, it's Space Canada, and that sky is just evil justice. Well, no, I just... Like, like the way the, the music sounded, it sounded like, oh, Canada to me. Oh, can- Space Canada, <laughs> our home in... Our home in not-native land, we still hope there's moose and Mounties, Beaver, Beaver, Tim Hortons! Why was Beaver twice? Well, well, I don't know. Did you want well, oh yeah, and hockey, well, and hockey. I just hope Space Sydney crosses. Well, well, in a later episode when we see a statue dedicated to Getty Lee in the background, we'll know why. Um, yeah, I enjoy I enjoyed Dave. I thought he he brought that good quality to the character of like he, he he can put on that appearance, but sometimes the facade falls down a little bit because maybe you're not great. Um, but yeah, I, I also really liked um, Tate and Oberstein. I um. I used to think of Tano as being a guy who tends to get cast as... I guess characters who are kind of, like, attractive or charismatic in some fashion. And, you know, Oberstein... Paul's, a, Paul's kind of attractive. A little, like, a little bit, but compared to... I mean, compared to, like, the main cast, he's not as, like, obviously... He lo- he, he looks like Irina Nakiri's dad. Yeah, that's kind of funny. They made him more attractive than he looked at the OVAs. Oh, yeah, that he definitely... Do- he he kind of looks like the way that, like, Attack on Titan characters look like, where they have to take the manga's crude drawings and turn them to something you can actually animate well. It's got He's got, he's more, like, angular-looking than a lot of the other characters, I think. Um, but, like, he, he's... In part of it's, like, he seems a little more, like, you know... He's a little more distant. He's, you know, he's got his weird robotic eyes and that kind of thing. You know, he feels a little... You know, it's that, you know, he's by himself in the opening. He feels a little off compared to everybody else. Not in, like, an evil way, just in, like, a, you're curious i wonder how you're going to fit into all this um but i enjoyed that about him i thought he brought that to the character where he's not you know he's not evil or malicious or anything like that but he does kind of stand out compared to everyone else who's around him 
Uh, you know, I think that I think you see that in episode six where he's like, you know, sir, I think this might be an obvious trap and we shouldn't go over this. And it's like, what the hell do you know? I'm going to go do this out of spite now. Screw you. Paul Paul brought the sass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I enjoyed him a lot. I look, I, he's another character who I look forward to seeing more of because he just hasn't been in the show very often. And I want, I want more of him. He's good. All right. Um, I wanted to... I'm going to focus on uh, Willibald for mine uh, because he's a great example of something that I, I really liked about this dub as a whole. Uh, the secondary characters... Um, specifically, like, the older secondary characters, because I really do feel like every older character who appears in this show was perfectly cast. Each one of them, like, brings personality and distinction and maturity to each of their roles, none the least of which Mark started as Murkats. Because even in the small scenes that we see them in, like, it, it really, they feel like matured men who've really seen war and just know what they what they need to do and what what how the how to do it and i really liked that for for each of the um for each of the older gentlemen who were in this uh anime in this dub and i think mark started was an excellent choice for Mercats because he has a great sense of maturity in the way he talks um yeah and paul von oberstein you know with j michael tatum as as paul was great uh, this is a great role for Jay. He's he's really good at that sort of sassiness, that that sort of intellectual superiority kind of thing. He's always been great at that, even when he started voice acting. Um, these are kind of three characters we don't see too much, so there's not totally much to say about them, at least for right now, anyway. Um, but Dave Trosco is Job. I hated him, so <laughs> no, no, I, I loved Dave's performance, but I hated Job. So, Dave did a great job, is what I'm saying. Everyone's always, like, that's, like, something I've always wanted to bring up. Like, like guys, no, when we say, like, we hate a character, if a voice actor is making us so angry that we hate an ex-character, they're doing a good job. Dave totally sold that he was just a totally corrupt politician who's just trying to benefit any way to the, to the uh, like, suffering of others. And him having... And it, it was nice to see the scene with, with Young and Jessica kind of fleeing and just... Although, sending an armored, like, truck to try to kill them was a little over the top, if you ask me, but... Uh, that's where the fault of the anime is. And then... And then, and then Young fought off all of the lawn, <laughs> the lawn Nazis with... The Nazis with lawn. I mean, this was the 80s, but this was kind of like... Come on, guys, this is a little silly. Like... You want to see silly in the OVA, they... I believe at least one of them had an axe. <laughs> hey guys, I'm here for the LARP. God damn it, I brought the wrong outfit. But you guys said the LARP was tonight. No, Steve, the LARP is next weekend. Uh, I don't really have much to add, except uh, for Paul von Oberstein, I want to say, Ha! I'm Paul! I just took a drink, like, right as you said that, and it almost came out of my hey, nose. Hey. I don't know why I thought of that, but... Because <laughs> Paul, Paul, doesn't that monkey have, like, three eyes or something? Paul has special eyes. There I, we go. I would I would take this like to take this as a moment to compliment the show as a as a person who enjoys collecting uh, poor attempts at Western naming conventions in anime. Looking at you, Leopard Solid from from Eroica with love. I do appreciate that these all sound like actual names actual people would have because <laughs> that's harder <laughs> to find in this in this medium than I than you would think. Anyways, I'm done. <laughs> 
Um. Uh, well. Okay. Do we? Uh. Do we? Are we good to move on? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm good. Okay. So the next two we're going to talk about is um two characters who have basically stood by the sides of their respective dad slash pseudo brother slash maybe lover. Um. Uh. So we've got Julian Mintz and Sick. Wait, did you just call Kirschnikes a pseudo lover? <laughs> what? Even I got to admit the way they look at each other, but yeah, this is a very yeah. slashy show. I think. Yeah. I think I think they actually like the guys who do this weekend, like the two who did the this weekend anime on A N N for um the show. They were like really surprised nobody in the comments had said anything about calling Kirschnikes and Reinhardt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think yeah, I think like, Reinhardt and Siegfried basically started shipping. Yeah, no, yeah, if like, you ask me. I, I mean, like that's pretty much been around since the OVA, so I think everyone kind of knows at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do I feel like Clamp is probably written like Reinhardt Kirschnitz Tochin? Probably. Probably they bas- Clamp was created because the ladies wanted to fill out their gay fantasies. <laughs> but uh, anyway, okay. So, uh, do we have any predictions? No, uh, you didn't actually mention this yet. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well, Kearsight's yeah. is, Yang- is Reinhardt's boyfriend. Yeah, and Julian Mintz is, uh, is Young's adopted son. <laughs> okay, uh... It's his young ward. So, yep, and uh, so I do... It's his apprentice. It's his medieval-style apprentice. Uh, so, yeah, yeah they, they didn't bring that up, but yeah, he, he's pretty young between Jesse Young's adopted son. Uh, but, uh, I do have predictions for these two. Uh, since they're pretty important. So, uh, for Siegfried, I ha- I said Joel McDonald. Uh, mainly because I wanted someone who would sound, you know, kind of, like, distinct, but also, like, but also, you know, kind of, like, background enough that they wouldn't overtake Reinhardt. Like, that was very important for me. And, um, for Julian, I said Aaron Dismuth because I wanted someone who could, you know, sound of, you can sound very young and energetic, but also, you know, so obviously teenager. And Aaron is very good at that sort of thing, so I will rip him. I've got uh, three for Julian and uh, three for Siegfried, but only because one of them is kind of a joke. Uh, so Julian, I had Justin Briner, Dallas Raider, Steven Sanders. All three can do younger teenage boy voices that are also energetic. Also, B, can we talk about how, like, the most hyper-competent character in this show is this 14-year-old? <laughs> he just has his life all planned out. It's like, man, this kid's got more, he's got his life more planned out at 14 than I do at 26. Holy exactly. hell. Um, so, Siegfried, my, uh, my, my joke prediction, only because if this was California dub, uh, because Siegfried kind of looks like this character, if you've ever played Fire Emblem Echoes before, he totally looks like Greg Toon's character, who I can't remember the name of right now, but I, he looks exactly like Greg Toon's character, so I jokingly put Greg Toon. But my actual predictions were Dave Matronga and Jason Lebrecht. You can come and punch me in the face later, because Gigi also really likes this show, and she could not sit- I'm sorry, babe, and I'm gonna throw you under the bus right now, even though you're not here. She couldn't get through the first two episodes without snickering every time they said, take the rear. <laughs> womp womp. Womp womp. She gets to make fun of me during Kakarillo, so- Because I wanted to be on that show, too, but I couldn't do too many shows this season, so. I pick- I got this one, so. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, alright. So, for Julian Mintz, we have Matt Shipman. Who uh, was Martin Hines and Garo Vanishing Line? Ta- Takes uh, 
Takayasu Sumiada, aka Serpent, in Junji Juni Taizen Zodiac War, Shay in Yu-Gi-Oh Arc V, and Gear in Oisekai no Chosen Day, aka Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> All right, and uh, Siegfried Kurshais is Clifford Chapin, also known as, uh, or he plays uh, Shun- Shunsuke uh, Futami in All Out, uh, Naganuma in Defrag, Yuri Dreyer in Fairy Tale Zero, and Katsuki, get the hell out of my way, Deku Bakugo in My Hero Academia. So, uh, before I start, I find it freaking hilarious that, uh, Yang is- Yang's son and and, uh, Reinhardt's boyfriend play the, uh, brothers from Junie Tyson, actually. I- I- I do not apologize for my stance on the two of them. They still look like prom night dumpster babies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never- I'm never taking that back, and I know Cliff is gonna find this episode and be like, Megan, really? Um- so, I want to start with Julian because I don't have that much to say on him, other than I was actually really surprised that Matt Shipman plays uh, a kid this young. I haven't actually watched um, Gosick yet, where he's the lead in that show and that kid looks really young. So, this might be one of the younger characters I've heard uh, Matt Shipman play. I mean, he's also Hero in, in Darling in the Franks, but the less <laughs> I say about how I feel about that show. Uh, he, he also sounds older in that show, so, yeah. Yeah, he also sounds a lot older than I thought Hero would sound like in that show, so this is very, very... And these two are around the same age, which is very... Which actually says a lot. Uh, I think Matt plays Julian amazingly, especially in contrast to who plays his father, Yang. Or Yang Yang. I'm picking back and forth tonight with how I want to pronounce it. Um, They play off each other fantastically, and I like that he is so hyper-confident and sounds so adult. Because, frankly, he is the only reason that house isn't a flaming pile of ash. Um, uh, so, so, he's, he's great in there, but, man, I was, I was really blown out of the water by Clifford Chapin being Kearsize. Um, I am so used to Clifford being Bakugo. Which is, is something I said about Tatum and Ida. I think we all are, I, I think we're all so... A lot of us are so used to him playing that, and he's in a lot of other shows I like. Like God knows he's in Token Rambu as a very soft-spoken character that is um, a little bit in the same like vocal range as Hirschais. Um, but even even before Bakugo, I mean, I knew Cliff as like Connie from Attack on Titan, who screams a lot and is kind of a dumbass. Um, as if you've ever watched our. Um, Best of video. Connie is the Bobby Hill of Attack on Titan. <laughs> um, but Dad, I want to fight the Titans. Um, and even like his character in Servant Mahiru is very not not as well spoken and soft as a uh, Kirshice. And I think that he gets across Kirshice's very genuine sense of kindness and. This kid should not be a warrior. He's just there because he, he he's just such a good boyfriend, best friend. Um, I also find the transition from his child voice to his adult voice very, very well done by uh, the directing team. Because Younger Kirsteis is played by Caitlin Glass, who I did not know could do a little boy voice, ever. Um, I mean, obviously, oh, but Harhi and Oron, but... 
I think that the the way that they picked who uh, plays the younger versions of these characters uh, blended very well to the transition and made it feel very natural. And that's the best thing I can say about Kirshais is that the performance is so natural that I forgot Clifford could really do this. That I want to actually see him play more Kirshais's and not more Bakugo-esque characters. I don't think he can handle playing another Bakugo, honestly. Yeah, no, that's going to kill that poor man's voice by the end of it. Although um, his is mu- his Bakugo voice is much smoother than the Seiyu's, honestly. But I'm, I'm, I, This is going to sound really weird. I actually probably could not watch the Japanese version of, of My Hero anymore. Yeah. I'm so used... To, I am so used... That's how good that dub is. Like, I am so used to the English voice, like... And this is no disrespect to any of the Seiyu on that show, because there are a lot of really great Seiyu on My Hero. I am just completely used to that dub that that sounds like like they never were not those characters. Yeah, so I can exactly say Matt Chipman came to mind when I was thinking of who could play Julian, but uh, he was definitely a pleasant surprise. Uh, he did a great job of playing up Julian's politeness and devotion to Yang while, you know, still making him sound, you know, just as... Just snarky and sarcastic enough to feel like an actual teenager. And I gotta say, I like it a lot more than what I've heard of Yuki Kaiji's take on it so far, since his kind of sounded a little bit too moe for me. And, um, you know, since Julian kind of becomes a little bit more important with time, it, it was very important to me to have someone who feels like his performance would actually mature with the character, and uh, Matt Chipman definitely feels like he'll be able to do that, so I'm pretty happy with it so far. Um, I also really like Clifford Chapin's Kirchai so far. Uh, he sounds a little bit less charismatic than I was ex- He sounds a little less charismatic than I was expecting. Uh, but it gives the character enough presence to feel like someone who could easily rally people to battle. You know, while also making it clear that he's only the number two to Reinhardt. And, and it never really feels like he's trying to overtake that actor's performance. Which, like I said before, was kind of very important to me. Like, like it's a thing, but it's also, he is pretty behind Reinhardt, and I really appreciate that. Um, I'm very curious to see how he will handle a certain a certain scene in the second season. Uh, but aside from that, I am very happy with both of these. They're great. Yeah, um, yeah I'm also really happy with both these performances. Um, let's see, what to start. Um, yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy Matt Shipman playing Julian. Um... I think just kind of an interesting role is like, you know, he's te- he's technically Yang's ward, but he's also a lot more put together than Yang in certain ways. <laughs> At least as far as like, where, like, where, where would you be without me? You would have missed your meeting. You wouldn't have breakfast. Yang is a millennial icon. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I like the way that he played as being like someone who's clearly like very mature in a lot of ways, but is also still like a kid. Um, and even though he kind of has these aspirations of like, yeah, no, I want to go into the military. And Yang's like, well, you don't have to go in the military. Like, it's not a, like, look, I'll pay, I'll, I'll, I have money. I can pay for stuff. Like, do what you want to do, kid. Don't, don't feel like you're, you know, don't feel like you're on some track to whatever. Um, and I thought, I thought Matt played that very well of this kid, of this character who's, you know, both very mature, but not worldly really, because, you know, he's, he's a kid. Um, and his biggest life event so far has been, he's been living with this kind of slightly slovenly, uh, military hero for, did they establish how many years he's been living with Yang? I can't remember. 
I don't think I think it's like yeah, not that long from what I, I understood. The way they make it seem, it's only been like a couple months. Uh, by that point in the story, I think it's like one or two years, maybe. Probably okay. not more than that. Yeah, but you know, like I just like the first time he like rolls up to the house. Uh, he's just got his like little like cardigan and suitcase, and Yang is like falling over boxes <laughs> trying to make tea. He's like, Jesus, it's cold. Yeah, Yang is not suited to live by himself. Thank God. Thank, thank God Chuck Huber saw the fourth side of this and it's like, I'm going to get you a ward because you will you will die if you attempt to take care of yourself. Jesus Christ, man. Most people, most normal humans, like, get a dog, Alex. Get a dog, get a cat, Alex. We have a bunch of war orphans and no one's really doing anything with them. You want one? That one's cute. I'll take that one. <laughs> I'll take five, sir. Um, Yang's home for the... Yang's home for the military inclined. Um, I think this reference is really like get married or get a kid. So. <laughs> the, ya- the Yang house of wayward child prodigies. There you go. Um, yeah, no, I liked Matt a lot in this. I, I assume he, he. I assume this is not the last we've seen of um, of Julian. I know he he is very important. That's good. I like I like I like. That's good. I like him, and I'd like to hear more from him. And. Um, I, actually, I, I don't have a lot to say about Siegfried at the moment, just because, like I said, I, I watched the the three more recent episodes a lot more recently than the older ones, so they're a little more fresh in my mind. But I, I like when he was playing as Siegfried. It was nice hearing Clifford play a quieter character. Because like you guys, I'm when I think of like, oh, what's a Clifford Chapin role? It's like Bakugo. Or someone else who's just like very loud or energetic or something like that. Um, so it's nice playing this, this character who kind of like, he, he was more toned down. He was a little... Uh, quieter, and I also thought he did a, he was a good contrast to what Reinhard, as far as somebody who felt, uh, what's the word? Something I don't know. I liked it. That's the point. It was good. Good job, Clifford. <laughs> May you play more of these roles in the future. Uh, I don't really have much to add from what you guys have said. Uh, I just want to say Matt Shipman really nailed Julian Mintz. Like I was genuinely surprised. Like I, I really didn't know. Julian Mintz, uh, I didn't really know Matt Shipman that well, um, but I was really amazed to find out that that was his voice playing a 15-year-old kid, and I thought that was really well done. Like, he he just completely nailed that, and the fact that he managed to make it still sound like a 15-year-old kid who was really smart and had his life together. Um... For, for Clifford Chapin, yeah, I thought he was great as uh, Siegfried. Uh, I didn't really realize it was him until I was looking up who plays who. And uh, that's kind of an, uh, that's kind of a testament to how like good he was in the role. Because he can go from playing someone like Bakugo and end up playing someone like Siegfried Kirscheis. Um, yeah. Um, the thing is, we don't really get to see Siegfried as an adult as much as we do a kid. Which is really interesting. Um, so we get actually more of, like, his younger days before Clifford actually plays the character, but at the same time, Clifford did a great job for the scenes that he was in so far. Um, yeah, just really great from both of them. Uh, I can't really think of anything to add to what you guys have said. Um, yeah, I, uh, Matt Shipman really sold me as a kid who told an adult to go sit on a table. So, <laughs> just go sit on that table. What? Just do it. Shut up, Dad. Isn't uh, isn't doesn't like Alex say something like, "So are we just sitting on tables now? Is that what we do?" <laughs> yeah, 
Like, I think it was a, a like, like that whole scene is like, son yells at dad, dad go away. Dad yells at son, son, tables are for glasses, not for glasses. <laughs> another, another Nana-isms. So, um. Okay. Another dad. Why do I feel like Alex would totally have a book of dad jokes? Because he totally would. Look at him. He's probably got one hiding around on a desk somewhere. It's under the hat. It's under one of those, like, fancy, fancy alliance hats. Just book of dad jokes. I use... I used to be scared of elevators. Now I'm taking steps to avoid them. <laughs> Anybody seen that you video? You're a very good Christopher Judge. I hope you know that. Thank you. Uh, you can't say it, but I'm like leaning back in my chair like, oh, I'm like, I'm afraid my dad's going to come in and say something <laughs> worse. I love my dad, but he does very weird dad things lately. <laughs> you ever Have you ever walked out of your bedroom before and your dad's just there and he just yells, hello, in your face and you're like, I just woke up. What the hell? <laughs> that would be terrifying, honestly. Uh, okay, I think we're good to move on. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. We're down to the final two. Uh, so, first up, we're going to talk about <laughs> Space Millennial, Yonghun Lee. Hero of my life! <laughs> so, um, anybody got any predictions? Yes. I figured so. Uh, yes, I do. I had only one prediction because I, because I was very intent on having this specific actor play this, so I played this person because when I, it's uh, because I have like read the novels and I've been reading them for a couple of years now. That's like, like and when I was thinking of people who could play Yang and I was thinking between like Funimation people and Cali people. Uh, for Funimation, there was only one man I really wanted to play Yang, and that man was Eric Vale. Uh, so, I did not put Eric Vale. Um, I put Howard Wang, because, hey, I like Howard Wang and things, and he could- He's Asian, You know what, I want to see him play a big- Well, no, also, B, I also want to hear him play, like, an older male character, too, because he plays a lot of teenage, like, little teenage boys. Okay. And that one, and that one dude who's, like, super into bondage and token Rambu, but that's another story. Uh, and then my backup pick was John Bergmeier, because John Bergmeier still got it. And I had also recently watched Jiki, where he plays Maroy, and John Bergmeier still got it, and Funimation, please cast John Bergmeier in more recent here, things. Here, here. love of God. Who do I have to pay? Possibly John Bergmeier, I don't know. I don't, I feel like he would totally it's do one, it if you asked him wondering, to. Like, is it just a time and money issue? I don't know. I don't know, because, like, he's he's still kicking yeah. around doing TNs. So. We need a new Vampire Hunter D anime so he what can we, play. What we, what we need again. what we need is a new Yu Yu Hakusho anime. That's, it's, it's funny you mention that because they have those new OBAs coming out so if Funimation dubs those he will probably come back. I, I actually kind of had a prediction. Uh, probably because I always assumed that Reinhardt and Yang were kind of around the same age so I actually picked um I actually probably would have thought Mikasa Assad would have been a good Yang, uh, but yeah, yeah, I can see that it worked. It, yeah, but now that I, after seeing who they actually cast, I I totally get why they went with this guy. So, um, yeah, the person who actually plays Young Wenli is Mister Ian Sinclair, who most of you should know as Dallas Genoad from Bakugo, Bard Roy from uh, Black Butler. Yomotsu Hirasaka from uh, Future Diary, and of course, Dandy from Space Dandy. Oh my god, do I love Ian Sinclair's song? <laughs> Alright, oh take it, Megan. Take the mic. Take it. 
Oh my god, I love him! Oh my god, there's so- Oh my god, I didn't think this was gonna work! Like, like, okay. Look, I know Ian Sinclair can do, like, kind of out there things. I've watched Sheiky. He's played Tatsumi. I mean, he's- He didn't even know how to ex- Like, I, I put a tweet up of, of it, of, I think, when uh, he first meets Frederica. Uh, and he's kind of, like, haphazardly saluting. And he's just like, oh. Oh. And it's just like, I think it's like from the show Idolish 7. Which, thanks Gigi for explaining this meme. And it's just a picture of Yang. And I put this like screen cap of this anime boy holding like a thing. It says, even if my entire room goes up in flames, tell him I swear to protect this. And that's what I would do for Yang. And damn, if Ian's performance didn't totally endear me to this character. Like, there... You could, like, all of everybody else's prediction choices would have been fantastic. But there is just the way that he plays him that is just so relaxed and just, like, he's lived this character in particular his whole life. Yeah. That just comes off, and the writing on Young is fabulous. And whenever he gets, like, any of those speeches, like, with other people, he's like, well, you know... And he's just so laid back and, like, very, very much, like, completely, like, tied to his convictions. But he's just, like, it's weird because I'm a person who's so direct with her passions and her emotions that, like, the way Young and Ian plays Young presenting his emotions um, for very strong convictions of pacifism is very much alien and very much comforting to me. Where I'm just a person who's just like, yeah, you're, like, the Young would be like, yeah, that was kind of stupid of me, and I don't know. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm being a fucking idiot today. I'm sorry, y'all. Like, it's it's so different, and it's so good, and it's really refreshing. Especially for me, who's like, I've, I've seen Ian and all these other things. But then again, I'm also Ian, like, used to Ian playing, like, really big, like, manly men. Like, Sugimoto from, uh... Uh, actually, and... it's uh, it's funny you say that, Megan. Have you ever watched The Legend of Legendary Heroes? No, I have not. Um, the character Reiner Lute he plays in that is almost like a prequel to how he played Young, because they're both they're both very lax characters. So it's it's. I'm gonna have to look that up now. So I can watch Legend of that. Legendary Heroes. And... It's good. It's a very underrated anime. And then. The other I, th I, like, vaguely remember that show, but I also remember the ending kind of underwhelmed me a little bit. Right, well, it ended just, like, berserk. So. Oh, yeah. no, not again. <laughs> Read the manga. Damn it, we keep- this keeps happening. No, but I, I also say this, like, as you're telling me, like, oh, go check out the show. Um, He reminds me a little bit of his character from Akka, the performance- um, as when he was Grossler, who was this, like, much older male character who was also, um, I don't, I don't want to say Yang's a politician because he's not. He's just a history, he's just this really lost history major. Um. One of the things I really appreciate about his character is that, like, he's only the smartest guy in the room because he actually reads history books. Yeah, like, <laughs> Yang, like, that's my other thing. It's like, I like the fact that he plays Yang is like, I don't know why I'm here. I guess I am. I guess we'll do this now, but... I've been talking a lot, and God, I could just gush about how much I fucking love Yang. Like, I've watched two shows recently where, like, two guys who are normally playing very manly man characters play these, like, slight- play these kind of, like, 
more older manly characters, but are also moe as fuck. And you'll find out what the other one is in another episode. Okay, I guess I'm gonna go. Um, so keeping the, keeping the running theme for tonight, and some Claire didn't really immediately come to mind for me when I thought of who could play yet, who could play Young. Uh, but looking at it now, he is definitely a good fit. Uh, Young speaks in a very dry tone, and while Anton Clare is known for a lot of his more heavier roles, he's definitely no stranger to being a bit more reserved. And uh, he carries across Young's calm and cynicism pretty well. Uh, good as those traits are, though, one of the things I really appreciate about Young is how quick he is to snark when he's dealing with things out of his control. And uh, Ian is really good at dissing out that kind of sarcasm. Uh, my only big, my only, like, I guess, quote-unquote big complaint so far is that he, he can occasionally sound, you know, just a little bit too dry. And his, and his voice kind of sounds like maybe a little too old for the character, because at this point in the story, Yang is actually only 28. Uh, but, uh, he, but he definitely has the personality and mannerisms now to a T, which is uh, definitely great since Yang is my favorite character in... And in many ways, he's more or less the heart of the story since, uh, you know, he kind of knows how history tends to play out, but he also can't really help it get swept along in it, which I found to be pretty fascinating. Um, but anyway, that's enough rambling for me. Um, I'm on. Um, when I was, at some point when I was watching the show, I kind of had the realization of like, you know, at some point they're going to switch back to Reinhardt's part of the story. And I think I'm going to be a little disappointed because I just kind of will keep watching Yang. He's great. He's just so, he's so interesting. Like, I don't, I think I've watched other, like, stories about war where they're frequently focusing on a character who would rather not be there if he had his druthers. Um, but I just find the way Yang's presented as, like, all right, I guess you put me in this position of power. I don't understand why, but okay, I guess. Um, and I think Ian does a wonderful job of just bringing out that side of the character of... How he's like, he is smart and competent and does know what he's doing, at least, you know, maybe not in his home life per se, but at least as far as being an admiral goes. Um, but also, just like, yeah, this, this might be a stupid idea, but hey, beats the hell out of what you got. Uh, <laughs> yes, we can fool the enemy, but you'll have to listen to me. I know that's hard. I'm sorry. Uh, I just, I really liked him. He's so fun to listen to, and it's so fun to watch him kind of unintentionally succeed, I guess. Like, he's not failing upward, but he kind of doesn't want this power he's getting, but it's like, all right, if I'm going to have it, I better do a good job. I don't, I don't know, it's just nice. He's a nice dude. I like him. And I think Ian brings out a lot of that. It makes me very happy. That's all I have to say. All right, well, um... I don't really have much to add on uh, Yang Wenli that you guys haven't already said, but I feel pretty much exactly the same. I think Yang was excellently performed. I feel like Ian did some really interesting, subtle things in his portrayal of uh, Yang that I don't really see a lot in dubbing. Um, just like his reactions felt very real. Like, he he kind of had these these little moments. I'm, I'm trying to think of a good example, but just like... He was just like, whoa, hey there, relax. You know, kind of stuff like that. That Really, we don't see line readings like that a lot in anime because actors don't usually get the chance to play stuff like that. Um, yeah, from the moment I heard Ian Sinclair as Yang, I was like, yeah, no, I totally get it. 
Like he, it, it, it was a little weird how he sounded like a, he, he sounded a little older for a guy who's only supposed to be about twenty eight. But at the same time, I was just like, yeah, this is exactly how Yang should act, and Ian is nailing every line that he's being given. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that I want to add. Um, Yang got a lot more of the subtle moments of the series. And I think that really helped that Ian is especially good at that sort of thing. Um, like, just the scenes when he's just, like, talking to Jessica or just, or just even Julian. Like, all of those scenes were really extremely well acted. So, yeah. That's what I gotta say. I also would like to point out that, uh, just like with Kirshais, the transition between child Yang's voice and, uh, adult Yang's voice was also really well, uh, put together. It was Afia Yu as, uh, young Yang. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so I'd also just... Yeah, I just... That's, like, one of the things I really wanted to compliment about the direction. I was... I wanted to save it for final thoughts, but just, like, for the three main characters, like, Yang, Kirscheis, and, uh, Reinhard, the transition between their child voices and their adult voices are freaking perfect. We, uh, we good? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, let's let's uh, finish this off with the poster boy for the series. Uh, we have <laughs> we have Little Lord Space Fartneroy himself, uh, Reinhard van Lohengram. I think, I think it's like Reinhard von Lohengram. It's the Lohengram. Yeah, Lohengram. I think that's. I, I added a little. I had a little Hebrew in there for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, did anybody have predictions? Uh yeah. Uh yes. I would hope you would. Okay. Um I have okay, I had several because uh this was a little I don't want to say it was a little bit hard to bend down for me, but I had like very specific criteria I wanted for this. Like I wanted someone who could sound like, you know, pretty charismatic but also had like and also, you know, like with a little bit of bass in their voice, but a, but you know, it could also sound youthful enough to fit the character, and uh, like, and like, and that was kind of a little bit of a challenge for me because, like, I could think of several like talent people who could kind of fit that bill for me, but it was a little bit harder thinking of like automation people who like kind of match that specific criteria for me, uh, and the ones that came to mind for me, uh, two of them were Jason Lebrecht and David Matranga. Uh, but the main one I was thinking of, and I swear this has nothing to do with the fact that the more we had unfortunate in Japanese, my main pick was Vic Vignata. Mm. Ah, there it is. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Because, you know, Vic is no stranger to, you know, playing, like, very charismatic characters. And again, like, and again, he can do, he can have a little bass in his voice whenever he's playing, like... Yeah, sort he of. hasn't really played kids in a while. I was thinking more in terms of like how he pl- how he tends to play like villainous characters. I mean, Reinhardt's not you know, quote unquote the villain, but that's I mean, but I mean, but Vic's very good at you know kind of like you know those sort of like smug characters. So I thought he'd be a pretty good fit here. Maybe it's just because the manga volume is staring me right in the face, but I'm just like, man, Austin Tyndall would have been really funny as Reinhardt because he looks exactly like Gene <laughs> Otis from Akka. Um. And it probably actually would have fucking worked. Thinking of Austin Tindall for, like, Care Tides, actually, but I wasn't totally sure on that one. I wouldn't have, if I was going to put Austin Tindall, it wouldn't have been a Care Size. I don't think, like, Care Size wouldn't have been the character I would have put him as. Um, 
So I went the safest fucking route of anybody for picking Reinhard. Uh, though my second pick was Christopher Waycamp because I was like, hey, he did a really good job as Kodai and he could play younger characters, but he could also, like, make that voice grow up. Like, again, like I said earlier about him, he's probably one of the most solid voice actors that Funimation has. Uh, but my main pick, which was, I want to say it's super safe, but anything that this guy does is freaking gold, was actually Josh Greeley. Yeah, Josh Greeley was my choice, too. Yeah. Like, I, I was just like, Josh Greeley, first thing I thought of, because I was like... He did come to mind for me, but like I wasn't quite sure if he had the kind of base I was looking for. I, I, Josh Greeley can have base. I've watched Drifters. He has base in My Hero Academia. Oh, yeah, God, it's Tokoyami? Hell yeah. I know he can have base, because whenever he, whenever he has, like, base in his voice, he tends to sound, like, much older. So I wasn't sure if that was going to really work for me. Yeah, no, but that was, Josh was, like, my first person. Yeah, mine, mine too. I'm just, like, Josh can sound charismatic, but he can also sound young, too, so... Just make Armin a badass. Okay, so in actuality, Reinhard is voiced can by. I, can I just make this joke real quick? Okay. I picked the wrong Elric brother. In actuality, Reinhard is voiced by Aaron Dismuke, who was Leonardo Watch in Blood Blockade Battlefront, Alphonse Elric, of course, in Fullmetal Alchemist, Prince Arslan in The Heroic Legend of Arslan. And Toji Twelve Hisami in Terror and Resonance. It's uh, kind of funny about Prince Arslan because, um, like, I'm not like I'm not sure if you guys know this, but uh, the guy who wrote Arslan is also the guy who wrote Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Huh? How about that? Hmm. Yeah, but I think the version of Arslan that's more popularized is the readaptation manga by Hiromo Arakawa, who created Full Metal Alchemist. Though I love the the OVA's dub of Prince Arslan, honestly. We actually found that at a discotheque booth for Hardy when you're at um, Anime Boss and yeah. bought it for him. It's all done by British people, and it's awesome. I should check that out. Um, but no, I'm going to probably be the dissenter in here than that. I actually loved it. Uh, I don't have issues with this performance. Like, like it, it was a little bit, like, I will say, like, maybe the first couple minutes was jarring, and then after that, I was like, I really don't see the issue in this. Um, I know that Reinhardt looks older, but it's obviously much younger, and that's... That kind of upstart, that kind of upstartness is what uh, really pisses a lot of people off. And I think Aaron Dismuke is really good at getting that in his voice. Um, I like that you actually mentioned uh, 12 from Terror and Resonance. Because 12 and Terror and Resonance was a little bit of a shitlord at times. Um, but no, I, I really liked it. I want to see where this goes. I want to see if Aaron's going to be able to grow his voice with it. Um... And before I transition, because I know Jet wants to say a lot about this, uh, I find it hilarious that Maxie Whitehead, the second voice of Alphonse, was Kid Reinhardt. <laughs> and she was fucking yeah, she great was. as Baby Reinhardt, so I, I loved all the Reinhardts. It was really okay, nice. Um, so, like I said before, I really wanted someone who could sound, you know, really charismatic and had a little bit of bass in their voice while still sounding youthful enough to fit Reinhardt's age. Uh, so when I saw it was Aaron Dismuke, I have to say I was uh, a little disappointed. Um, I like Aaron Dismuke a lot, as a, a lot as an actor. He's played a lot of iconic characters for me, and he's proven to be pretty versatile, but I'm honestly not sure if he was really the right match here. Uh, for me, Reinhardt is the guy who is crazy enough to watch him hold the whole dang universe. 
And while that might seem very absurd on paper, he has enough natural charisma and energy in his tone, and that it's certainly pretty easy to see why people would want to follow him. And uh, both Ryo Horikawa and Romo Romano kind of give off that sense of presence. Uh, but for me, Eren's natural tone just sounds a little bit too soft-spoken. I mean, like, I get the feeling that uh, Clifford Chapin and Brittany Lana were kind of looking for someone who could sound really youthful. Really youthful, my bad. Um, since, you know, Reinhardt's young age is part of why he catches so much flack for the nobles. And, like, I can respect that choice, but for me, like, Reinhardt's charisma and presence are kind of the things that stand out to me. And I'm not fully sure if Aaron Dismu can quite pull that off. Uh, having said all of that, his performance actually has grown on me a bit. And uh, with each new episode, it uh, I can kind of feel a little bit more. And while I'm still not totally sure if he has the tone down just yet, it does certainly feel like he's putting it all his all into making it work, and I really do appreciate that. And uh, I definitely don't want to end this on a sour note, since again, I really do like Aaron Dismuke as an actor, and I have generally never had a problem with anything he's done. Uh, but I'm still not like totally sold on it quite yet. But I'm really hoping he will grow into the role enough to prove me wrong. Um... I, I agree with Megan on this, actually. I liked Aaron in this quite a bit. Um, I like that he... Like, it feels like part of Reinhardt's deal is... Re Reinhardt's, like, kind of the part of the nobility of the Empire, right? It's um, And Siegfried's kind of, like, kind of a more lower-class schmo who no one really cares about. Reinhardt is a noble, but he, he was, like, a very... He was a very low-ranking... Right, right, yeah. No, but I, I, I feel like part of his thing is, like, he is technically of this kind of higher arist aristocratic role, but he clearly does not think very much of it. I'm sure partially because his sister got sold off to the Emperor. Um, but I, I did like that he, he, in contrast to a lot of other characters, he has kind of this snottiness to them. There's the sense of, like, I will play this game, but I also kind of think everyone else playing this game is not really worth my time. Like, you know, you know, they have that... I, I know this isn't... Um, I don't think Aaron's voicing at this point, but they have that whole bit in episode three where he's talking to Siegfried about, like, this is what, you know, this is what noble people in Military Academy do. They, like, box and drink, and they, they're not worried about getting killed in the war, because they don't care. And I'm not going to be those people. And I, I thought I dare Aaron actually... Um, that's just like Megan was saying. Like I think he said that he, he sold this sense of like Aaron does seem kind of youthful and petulant in a way that would make people not take him seriously, but then backs that up by actually being good at what he does. And I like I enjoyed him in this, and I encourage to see like if that role changes as like the story progresses, because like I have ideas about where this story might go, which seems weird for something that I could probably go read a summary of online right after this if I wanted to. Um, but, like, I, I am curious to know where this goes, because I, I am enjoying this performance, and I want to know, like, is this, is this going to be the, you know, is this kind of the tone it's going to set? Is this going to change and evolve, or is this going to play out? So, like, I, I'm, I'm happy with this. I, I thought he was pretty solid. Before I say my thoughts, I'm looking on Twitter real quick, and apparently Josh Grayley liked a tweet that says, Dirty Pear is too powerful. <laughs> I just think that's funny. I mean, he's correct. That man is into a lot of anime and i remember when uh funimation like i think announced that they were gonna be re-releasing outlaw star he lost his mind yeah, he's a good kid good guy um okay i love aaron dismuke i think he's a great actor and i think he's a great director um and honestly i i really feel like he is trying his hardest to get reinhardt right my one hang up i just don't think he's intimidating enough I think that is my only real hang-up about his performance. I just... 
I feel that Reinhardt needs a little more of an imposing personality. Uh, well, not personality. A little more imposing voice. And I, I just... I, I think I think Aaron can get there. I think he can get right what he needs to get right. I just had a little trouble f- finding you know his performance a little hard to swallow. Just because of the fact that I just felt like I was listening to... Just somebody who just wasn't quite intimidating enough for me to believe that they could lead an army like this. That being said, I didn't hate it. I thought it was perfectly fine. Like like I said, it was all all across the board it was pretty much A minuses to A pluses and I felt Aaron was a solid B minus. So that's pretty much like all I really have to say about Reinhard that hasn't already been said, but I haven't really been able to articulate what was holding me back from really loving Aaron's performance, and I just feel like he just wasn't intimidating enough. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I think you gotta hit that on the nail for me too, because I wasn't really, I, I wasn't really quite sure how to put my finger on it there either. But now that you said intimidating, it's like yeah, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, but again, perfectly fine performance, just not totally what I wanted. So, and that may just be a personal thing. So, yeah. After that overly dramatic uh, explanation. Um, so, should we just do final thoughts now? Yeah. 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 Okay, well, why don't we do this in the order we've been doing it? So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, my final thoughts is, uh, as somebody who isn't really, like, familiar with this franchise, I did not watch the OVA, the prequel OVAs. I never watched the original series. Um... As of Space Battleship Yamato, uh, if you've watched our episode on that, which should be up before this one comes up, I hope. Uh, it's going up Friday, so I hope so. <clears throat> I better get, I need an email back from somebody <laughs> then. Um, but uh, no, as somebody who, uh, up until that episode, uh, had said that she did not like sci-fi and stuff, um, if you were to sit, uh, I would sit this, somebody down with this show and Yamato to be like, Space operas in anime are really good. And this dub is a really great way to transition somebody into it. If, if you if you have a friend who hates anime, show them this. Yeah, this is a show that I would like straight up show like some of my family members who are older to get them into this because it doesn't have a lot of the hangups that other anime have. And that's nothing knocking um, stuff like My Hero, which has like a bit of absurdist comedy. Like, the big eyes and the anger marks. Like, this is a very natural show that talks about a lot of things that are still relevant today, despite the source material being 30, 40 years old. Um, I think the direction by Brittany Lauda and Clifford Chapin is fantastic. Uh, the writing on this show is top-notch. This is probably one of the best-written simuldubs of the year. Um, I can't say if there's a difference between... Um, I, I, this is actually probably one of the best-written drama shows of the year. Uh, and like I said in my thoughts on the writing, um, if they had messed it up, you would have really alienated a lot of people. Um, and then, like I, I kind of mentioned when we were talking about Bambi uh, Young, um, the direction of this is perfect. And that was something I really wanted to bring up was the transition in voices between young and old. And this is a really good dub. And um, I hope that a lot of people aren't sleeping on this because the show, while it is very nice and very grandiose, um, it's not flashy like something like Darling in the Franks is or really funny like something like Hina Matsuri is 
or um or something like uh even Golden Kamui, I would feel, is like a little bit more approachable than this show. Because, yes, the show can get very heavily political, and that does turn some people off. Uh, that being said, it should not. You should be watching this dub because it is very well done, technically. T- typically, Americans, for some reason, don't really take to Legend of Galactic Heroes. Which, I don't know why. This is a really yeah. great show. Like, I want to go get the novel. Well, I, I disagree there. The, the main reason that it hasn't been available here for, like, literally forever. I mean, I, I, I feel like, like I feel like part of it's just that it's long as hell, and that's probably it, yeah. the same reason a lot of people don't bother with like One Piece. It's like that's uh, that's like hundreds of hours. I don't have time for that. As I as I mean, I mean, like in fairness, from what I've seen, like a lot of the any YouTuber community seems to have like caught on to the show, so I guess it is getting some traction. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I know. Um, on Anime FMK, they talk very highly of the show. Um, which is kind of the big thing that I watch that actually does, like, seasonal stuff week to week, so. I know Kieran really, I think Kieran's the one who really likes this. So. Okay, um, so I've been a fan of Weather of Galactic Heroes ever since Fizz, why since Rescue the Novels a few years ago. And uh, I was really excited for this new anime adaption since I figured it was the best chance the show had at getting an audience in the West. Um, so far, D&T's been a pretty fun ride, and while it's hard to say if it'll quite live up to the legacy of the OVAs, it's been a pretty solid adaptation of the novel so far, and that feeling more or less extends to the dub itself. Uh, it's not perfect, and there are some performances I'm a little on the fence about, but it is very solid, and it certainly helps in giving people an entry point into the franchise, and that really matters a lot. Uh, if nothing else, I am very grateful for that, and I am really hoping Cliff, Brittany, and the rest of the crew will continue to grow alongside the show itself. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying this. Um... As people who follow me on Twitter may occasionally find out, my uh, favorite creator in the anime manga world is Naoki Arasawa, and that is a hint that I have the taste of a middle-aged man. Um, so a dry sci-fi story about politics is exactly what I kind of think I like. Um, and I'm really enjoying this. Like Megan, I don't have a lot of background in this franchise. I kind of heard of it as like this big, really long, really, you know, it's basically really good, but it's also like hundreds of episodes long, so it will take you a while to actually watch the damn thing. Uh, the original was like, I... 110 episodes, I think, something like that. Yeah. The man's going to own it all at one point. It will look very nice on my mantelpiece. Hopefully I'll actually watch some of the contents at some point. Um, but having said that, like, I'm really enjoying this version of it. Um, just, I think, I think like, the show itself is just really well, like, it's what it's well composed. I think it's paced very well. I'm really enjoying the dub, which I think, and particularly because I feel like this is the kind of thing which, like, in Japanese could be a hard sell for certain people just because it is... You know, it's a little bit dry, it's not super flashy, it's not overtly comedic. Um, and the sort of, you know, the same reason a lot of people, it's hard, often hard to tell to get people to watch, like, foreign language dramas for the same reason. But And I feel like the dub is both very good, and I also think brings it a level of accessibility that I think it deserves. Because I do think, like, I do think this is very good, and I, like, this is also something that, like, friends of mine who are, like, kind of into anime, but find a lot of the sort of, um, sort of, you know, stereotypical, like, gags and stuff that, you know, you're used to if you watch a lot of anime, it can sometimes be a little off-putting if you don't. I feel like that it doesn't have as much of that can make this very easy to watch. Like, um, yeah, and I like I definitely recommend this to my friends who aren't as into anime for that reason. Um, yeah, like I'm really enjoying this, and I'm looking forward to more. And I'm looking, and hopefully they will like dub the second season like movie series that they're supposed to be doing as well. Because I'm really enjoying this. Okay, um, for me, uh, not much to add. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything. It's it's really nice that we're finally getting some Western releases of Legend of Galactic Heroes, to be sure. 
Uh, I don't have a ton of experience with the series, but I do remember liking what I saw of it. So it's nice that they kind of have a clean slate now and are just starting over. And it's really nice that we have a really strong dub to go with it. Um, I, I'm trying to think of anything else I have to add. I'm, I'm really looking forward to how the rest of the series is going to go. And I just um, I just really hope that like this has a really great shelf life. Um, like for the Blu-rays and stuff. And at the very least, you know is is watched really well on like the Funimation app and stuff like that or Verve whatever uh <laughs> and yeah I just I'm really glad that we have a chance for actors to come in and really like breathe some life into the characters you know <laughs> really a great like cast of characters that uh each take this series very seriously and are not just doing this to you know get a paycheck like they they understand how important this series is to a lot of people and they're really respecting that and i think that's reflected in the writing and the direction and the acting um and just the voices that were all picked so yeah that's my thoughts <coughs> any uh any words before i give the ending spiel yeah. No, go ahead, man. All right. Well, if you would like to watch uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes, either subbed or dubbed, uh, you can check it out at Funimation.com, Crunchyroll, uh, Verve, and you can find the original Legend of Galactic Heroes on High Dive. Um, for Funimation and Crunchyroll, it's what is what is it like five bucks a month? Five ninety nine. Like, yeah, like five or six bucks a month, and then like high dive is like four ninety nine. Honestly, I would just get Verve. <laughs> I mean, I have I have Funimation and Verve, and Verve is a little more expensive, but you get a bunch of stuff with it. But and uh, I actually have High Dive too, and High Dive is really good for watching Cutie on a Universe. Um, but yeah, you can check all those out. Um, supporting the industry, and um, yeah, Verve is like. Ten ninety nine a month, and High Dive is now like three ninety nine or four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. It's four ninety nine a month, but keep an eye on their Twitter because they do a lot of convention promos where you can get a free month. I think there's one right now. It's if you do Anime Next eighteen, you can get a free month. And if you've already got an account, you just go onto your settings and then like go to your payment, like I guess your payment information, and it'll ask you if you have like a gift card for it. If you put your promos in there, even if you've already signed up, they'll let you do it. No, if only it had a PS4 app. <laughs> one day, one day. One day, then I can actually watch the original logic. Also I also I guess if you're like interested in checking out the original novels that are currently available to visit uh I Sokuru line. Um, you, uh, you can find them on their, you can find the novels on their site in most bookstores. Uh, they have, like, six of the ten novels out currently, so they're pretty far in. Yeah, and according to Amazon, the seventh one comes out in August, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah, I was gonna say, you can get them on Amazon, too. Alright, well, I guess that about wraps it up. I'd like to thank, uh, I'd like to thank the council here for joining me. You're welcome. And, um... Yeah, I uh, I guess not much to add. So thank you everybody for listening, and um, yeah, good night everybody. Good night. Don't let the water sprinkler hit you when you leave the house.
Song about it is. I know I should be laughing at this because I'm about to record a disclaimer I'm on and you can put this in there, but I just sent Andrew and that's some pretty dumb porn. That's some pretty dumb loot art. So, um, if you've made it this far in the video, it means you've watched the, the freaking episode. So, I'm about to try to do this disclaimer set to Starship so nothing's gonna stop us now. Um, here we go. Hello, everyone. The music, you can't hear it, guys, but I have the music in my headphones, so I have to do this. I can't believe Hiroyuki Sawano wasn't sued for this. Hey there, everyone. You're about to enjoy episode of Dub Talk Around. I just want to warn you about a few little things that happen on this episode. Then you're crazy, but we know a few things. I can't- God, this is so hard! Ah! <laughs> oh, I tried a lot, I can't do it! So, hold on. Oh god, attempt number like 10. Okay, I have a mock-up of the dis <laughs> disclaimer. Keep fucking it up. <laughs> you know what? Better do it to the last part of the song. And the Dove Text Podcast wants to warn you that there may be strong language it that's not suitable for all audiences. Also, there is gonna be spoilers. For Legend of the Galactic Heroes Dino Thesis. So keep that in mind as long as you listen. And we just want to finally say that the opinions that we may say don't reflect the podcast as a whole. I am very tone deaf. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm sorry, direct. And cast. Enjoy this episode. I've embarrassed myself enough as it is. I'm on that is about the worst thing I've ever done. You better put in like a chunk of the bloopers after this. Also, Brittany Lauda, if you've made it this far in the episode because you're listening to the bloopers, just show this part to Madeline Morris because I attempted to do my own clingy Julian blooper. I'm so sorry, I'm a wreck. <laughs> That's it, I can't do this. I'm doing the shitty Kennedy accent one. My fellow space Americans, as we see... <laughs> I could do a Camp Granada. <laughs> Just fuck. <laughs> and I promised Amon I would put it. I'd put a thing in here. Hello, viewers. Hello, listeners. Here you are at Camp Dog Taka. This dubs are very entertaining, and we'll start talking about them if I could get through this disclaimer. We just wanna totally warn you that there may be. Strong language for you, and it may not be very suitable for younger listeners and viewers that are <laughs> and viewers that are sensitive. We just also want to say there's gonna be spoilers. You know that anyway. You've sat through like what 
120 episodes? You should seriously know how this really goes. Oh, but oh yeah. Six episodes of lo- logic. <laughs> Fuck. 